Happy anniversary! We're back for a special, special milestone. This is the Out of the Box Podcast. Yes, you see it right. It's our 59th in-season episode, but overall, when you add up all the specials and the interviews and the movies and the FGCLs and everything else... It is our 100th episode of the podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury wearing our party hats. Food to come. Tom, how are you? Good. Never thought we'd make it this I far. didn't think we would do one. Right. And here we are in our 100th. Amazing. We've got so much to cover. We're back from Clearwater. Caught up on sleep-ish. Mm-hmm. I still kind of have a headache. Um, of course, make sure that you like, subscribe, tweet us at outofthebox underscore pod. Tom... We, too, gave us, in many ways, everything that we wanted from the sport of softball, not just for Alabama, but in terms of a national race as well, because there were some shocking results. There were some big upsets. There were some just epic classic games. Uh, There was many a home run hit. Uh, There was a lot that we learned at the same time. There was just as many new questions posed after what we saw in week two. I know. Should we get to our trip around the bases? Yes. Episode 100, trip around the bases. We'll start at the plate, talk about Alabama's trip to Clearwater. Tom, spoiler alert, went pretty well. Yeah, I was pretty happy with it. Pretty pleased. Not too many complaints from us. More on that later. Yes. Then we will advance to first, look at the SEC, what happened across week two. Kind of an interesting mixed bag. We'll have, of course, an update as well on the FGCL Player of the Week and games to watch this weekend, including as we record coming up in just a little bit, Georgia at Clemson and Louisiana at UCF here on this Tuesday night. Very interesting. It's, yeah. it's a uh, nice slate of games uh, for the midweek, and then uh, we go back into a lot of home tournaments and things like that this weekend, but there's some big ones out with the Mary Nutter and things like that, so there's a lot of stuff to talk about for this week. Oh, games aplenty, mm-hmm. Tom, for us to pick. Then we will steal second and be joined by our friend Amanda Scarborough, We're going to cover everything at Clearwater. We're going to look a little bit at the Nutter. And then we're also going to talk about the news of Monica Abbott announcing her retirement today as we record. We knew she'd retired from playing in Japan, but now officially done playing competitive softball. She's not going away from the game, but one of the greats will no longer appear in the circle. Pretty pretty good career. Pretty decent. Solid. Yeah. She might come up when we round third. Mm. Ah, yes. It's time for the Trivia Battle Royale. Tom versus Eric Lopez versus Madison Shipman in a try trivia challenge. Yes. Haha. <laughs> Wordplay. I'm excited. I have a feeling it's going to go real well. And then finally, we will head home. We've got a really wonderful 100th episode mailbag. A lot of people sending in some really awesome questions. Then we've got off the wall. Hmm. Maybe the best it's ever been in terms of, haha, you were wrong. <laughs> best and or worst. Yes. Depends on which way you look at it. And then Tom's Hungry returns. Yes. We're back. Re- regardless of how things went on the softball field, uh, Tom's Hungry had a really good weekend. Tom's so. Tom was hungry and then Tom was full. Yeah, very much so. Yes. That is the point of the segment. We've got <laughs> yes. so much to cover when we get to that point, but we will start at the plate and review Clearwater. Alabama goes 4-1 and one down at the best tournament that you'll find in the non-conference. The loss, UCLA by two. The wins, Duke, UCF, Indiana, and Florida State. The curse is broken, as you called on the radio, Tom. 
can't express the frustration that it's been for Alabama playing Florida State because, you know, it's a program. The two programs are very similar. They are at the same basic level, but to have played them six times in a row since 2018 and have lost all six of them in some ways the most devastating and heartbreaking fashion and to be able to finally get over that hump uh, for people like Montana Fouts who have been there for almost all of that. Yeah, I'm sure it was just a, a huge relief and monkey off their back. Uh, at the same time, I thought it was just the classic softball game. It was great. Uh, two elite pitchers going head to head and Alabama just basically got one more hit than Florida State did. I love that all the storylines that we had kept track of throughout the week came to fruition in that Florida State game. Like, okay, Montana's back. Is she going to be back for seven innings? Yes. Okay, Alabama, they look good freshman-wise. The youngsters have stepped up. Kinley Cahalem breaks out the perfect game with some help, of course. Yeah, from the, you're welcome. From the, the radio booth. Yes. We do what we can. And then we spent a lot of time talking about Bailey Dowling to the point where we were asking the question, okay, like, could we see Marley Giles potentially DP against Florida State after she played so well against Indiana? Dowling got the start, and it was her best game of the season. Even though she was just one for three, the home run obviously was huge, and the two outs were pretty well hit, just well defended by Florida State. It's hard to talk about how good the offense was when you only get three total hits, but at the same time, two of those hits were home runs, and that's all you needed. Uh, but I thought, you know, with as well as Sandra Cock was pitching to finally kind of get to her there, it showed that you were able to make those adjustments yes. the second time through the order. Uh, that's obviously been an issue at times, but uh, I thought it was a great job by that Alabama offense. They had a good plan. Sometimes you can have a great plan and, and execute and it still doesn't doesn't work out because, you know, Florida State just has a really good defense. Yes. Or some, you know, some things just go against your way, but to put those to put that together there in the fourth inning and then just to uh to hold on for the rest of the game I thought it was just a great job. The other wins, Indiana in run rule fashion, UCF in walk off fashion and then Duke by a run, a win that looks better and better the further you get from it because Duke wound up winning their last four games in Clearwater. All in all, just a really impressive weekend by this team. I think in particular the Duke win, uh, again, like I said, that's that I think is going to be huge resume-wise. But later on we get, and UCF is probably going to win the American. So you've got a non-conference win over a probable conference champion. I mean, it's hard to look at the weekend and, and find too many negatives. Not everything was perfect, obviously. That's not a thing. Yeah. But those wins in particular really said a lot about this team and the gutsiness with which they play. Yeah, I think you got three really good resume wins, and really UCLA is a resume loss. Yeah. I mean, you lost by two, a game where, you know, they hit a grand slam in the first inning, and that was really the difference. You know, that's, after the game, I was asked what, you, what I thought, and I said, well, one team hit a grand slam, and the other one didn't. That was really the difference in the ball game. But after that, Basically, after that really rough first inning for Montana, she looked great pretty much the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Um, even, you know, Florida State loaded the bases in the first inning. Montana got out of it and then didn't have a lot more issues the rest of the day. Uh, so I'm really impressed by how, how well she did. Um, the rest of the offense, Alabama defensively p- uh, played really well. And then, like you said, got three really good resume victories. And then you can't be too upset about how well you played against UCLA. They just, you know, they got the Grand Slam. Right. And Megan the Machine. Yeah. You know, the Wi-Fi was working. It was. Tom. Yes. Had for, the, at that point. Yes. For a little while, it did. Had the antennas up. 
<laughs> all systems go had, had her own hot spot and extra boost to help her can't relate no <laughs> not at all the top of the order kimley kahalen ashley prangy ally shipman kahalen goes 313 on the weekend with three rbis five runs scored what you're supposed to do in the lead off prangy hits 353 with seven rbis ship hits 400 with three rbis and four doubles in the event all of a sudden you've got one of the best you know top parts of the order maybe in the sec and you add in a bailey dowling who looks like she's starting to figure it out oh boy one through four is going to be a bear going forward for the opposition yeah i mean you look at you know all the people that are going to be in what we think is going to be a pretty steady lineup here moving forward not that anybody else is not going to get an opportunity but you know we i think there's a pretty steady starting you know first team at this point there was positives for all nine there's positives for all nine coming down the order and so no one just had a really bad weekend no one was a, a black hole in this lineup so i was really impressed with everybody offensively yeah i think when you look at it i mean you could point to a couple averages that were low, but those players stepped up in the biggest moments. I mean, right. again, I go to Dowling, you know, yeah, two for 12 on the weekend, but one of the two was the game-winning home run against Florida State. Callie Hevlin, two for 12 on the weekend, but she got everything started against UCF with her two-run homer. Yeah, really, When uh, hopefully, when we look back here in a couple of months, uh, we'll be able to say that Callie Hevlin home run against UCF might have been the thing that turned everything. Because, yeah. you know, UCF's up 4 nothing. Uh, they score an extra, they score, it was 3 nothing. they score an extra run in the fourth. Patrick Murphy's doing his mid, mid-game interview with ESPN, and he says, you know, watch out, I think we got something going here. I'm not sure if I, if I was right in the boat with him at I that was, point. I was starting to get a little frustrated. Yeah, I, I was not feeling great. But to see an Alabama got two outs relatively quickly in that inning, uh, but to get the five runs, to get those five runs with two outs, starting off with the Hevlin homer, and it really be the bottom of the order that got things really going in that inning. I think, you know, moving forward, that might be where uh, you kind of look and see where was the turning point in the season. It might be right there. Mm, there are two more players I want to get to. The first is the player I got the most texts about this week. Her name is Kristen White. Yes. She's a freshman. And boy, did she make an impact. Everybody's seen the video by now of the catch, robbing a home run, almost tearing down the fence, literally forcing the facilities people to ask, is the fence okay? Did we break the fence? (laughs) And then walking it off against UCF. And I think having a pretty good game against Florida State as well, even though she didn't have a hit there. Boy, she impressed me. Everyday starter. I mean, until until she gives you a reason not to start her, Kristen White deserves to be in this lineup. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Faith Hensley like never gets another shot. I think she right. gets opportunities to come back in. But if there was somebody that kind of struggled this week, it was Hensley. Uh, but Kristen White picked her up and played extremely well. Like you mentioned, to be a slapper and to be and you know Patrick Murphy stuck with her um, when he could have pinch hit for her a couple times, uh, and she came through. I think you know. The only thing that kept her from getting one, if not a couple of hits against Florida State was just really good defensive positioning. Yeah. Uh, which we could kind of, we had a really good angle of in our left field perch, able to see uh, where everyone was on the infield. So, you know, credit Florida State. They played really good defense. But I was really impressed with what White was able to do this week against the high caliber competition. And then the other player, Jordan Stevens, in yes. her hometown, the two for three day with some ribbies against Indiana. 
And then the diving catch that preserved Alabama's thus far only shutout of the season for Lauren Espen. That was special. It really was. I was really happy for Jordan and you know, watching her and she's yelling and screaming and celebrating from jumping up all the way back to the dugout. Are you surprised? No, not in any way, it's shape or Jordan. form. Jordan. Yes. No one, no one is more full of Bama U than Jordan Stevens. Yes, and and there's a lot of people on this team that are. Yeah, I, I think that's another thing that we kind of took away uh, from this week, just seeing how the team was interacting with each other, and and I think this team, you know, it's a special team as far as people and who they are and and how they're kind of gelling together. And really yeah, there's a connectivity well. there yeah. that that really stuck out. Which is why you know everything was such a shock last year when when people when people left and with seeing this year now now looking back and last year oh okay yeah you can kind of think okay but you know when you see what it really is what it's supposed to be like for sure uh like it is right now um i'm really excited for what this team's gonna be able to do oh man what are they gonna do this week let's look at the schedule how about that we've got our first midweek of the year as we record it's tomorrow alabama versus samford have not seen the tide and the bulldogs face off tom since 2018 do you remember that game is that the one at samford no that was the one here the kerrigan fane walk-off oh yes i believe on her senior day is that right it was yes because there was a stretch stretch there where alabama's seniors on their senior day all got walk-offs yeah, it's not a good sign for trivia going ahead that you're already 0 for 1 on questions. <sighs> oh, boy. I told you. I'm not, I, I, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Should be fun. Yes. Then we've got the Bama Bash this weekend. Kennesaw State and Southeastern Louisiana, who's undefeated, by the way, on Friday. Saturday, Indiana State and Sela again. And then Sunday, it's Kennesaw State. And people, whether you're watching or listening, you ain't going to be able to get rid of Gray and Tom because our radio call will be the audio for the SEC Network Plus stream. Multi-platform excellence, Tom. Yes. Well, at least multi-platform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is a weekend where I think you're going to see a lot of people cycled in. Uh, everybody that's healthy, anyway. You know, there, there are still uh, some people who aren't quite game ready. Um, but... Sela is going to be interesting. Undefeated, their pitching staff is playing really well. Alabama will have to play well to win all these games. And I think it'll be really fun to see how this team's mindset goes into this weekend where you're not playing anybody ranked, you're not playing any Power 5 schools, but you still need to play just as hard and just as well. Yeah, yeah, you hope you don't have any type of letdown as far as that goes. But we haven't seen that, and a lot of the indication of that has been Alabama's ability to put runs up early in games. So you're saying, you know, these teams are Alabama is ready to go from from the very start and they're put up putting up runs early. And uh, that's, I think, going to be a main key for Alabama here this week is go ahead and, you know, get on the board early. Uh, don't let these teams hang around. And, you know, see a team that is undefeated, like you said, going to have to play well to beat anybody. Yeah. Pitching wise, probably going to see Tana Friday night against Sela. Otherwise, I really kind of don't know. Honestly, I'm cool with all the options. Um, against Samford on Wednesday, I would expect to see either Salter or Torrance, but everybody's going to get a lot of innings. And I think in particular with Montana, what was so important about winning that Florida State game is A, uh, you add the resume win, but also, you know, we saw a lot of her last weekend. I think a big reason why is because Alabama is not going to need her a ton 
this upcoming weekend, or at least you would hope. Right. Uh, this is the kind of tournament where you've got a chance to let Esmond, Torrance, and Salter pitch in some longer situations. Yeah, that's you know you hope to be able to do that because you didn't get to see a whole lot of Salter and Torrance, especially Esmond got the complete game against Indiana, but didn't see as much of them throughout this past week at Clearwater. So this is a time where they can really you know settle some things. Uh, another opportunity for them to work with Coach McMahon and and get everybody on the same page when they're calling games and things like that in the game setting. But you know, we mentioned a couple of times, I want to shout out Lauren Esman, you know, gets a complete game shut out against Indiana, but also in that UCLA game came in replacing Montana Fouts and got five outs without any issues against one of the top, if not the top offenses in all of college softball. Yeah. Uh, pre- pretty impressive performance by her uh, with like, hopefully she'll get uh, multiple opportunities here this weekend. Couldn't agree more, and I would like to send a shout out as well to our friend and pitching coach Lance McMahon. I thought that this weekend I watched him really improve figuring out how to call pitches for these players as the week went along. And by Florida State, he and Montana seem like they're on the same page. And now that that connectivity, that chemistry is there, oh boy, look out, America. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool being in the – in the hotel with the team seeing you know the different coaches doing breakout sessions and doing film work and doing things like that one-on-ones you know they're everybody's really kind of finding themselves right now yeah and finding out how everyone's working with each other and it's it's been really fun to see i, I thought everything in clearwater was absolute aces uh five and oh would have been phenomenal we rolled in you know thinking four and one would be awesome three and two would probably be pretty good depending on who the losses are against but we don't have to worry about three and two yeah i think if you're if you're an alabama fan uh you can be nothing but ecstatic about the way things went this weekend would have loved to have been five and oh but a four and one your only loss is a really close and tough matchup with ucla uh, i think you're in really good shape should we talk about some of the other teams that were there okay sure yeah why not it's a softball podcast yeah it's that. our 100th episode <laughs> so for that milestone tom We've put it in play. Who are we? Well, we talked about it. She only got the two hits, but one of them was huge. Bailey Dowling. Bailey Dowling. Yes. We are you. Almost knocked us off our perch in left field. Not because the ball was close to us, but because we almost fell over. Right. Out of excitement. Re- re- reaching towards it, although it was well past my It's time. actually Janai Kerr who almost she broke did. all the equipment. I was very worried it was that <laughs> ball was coming at us because I unfortunately missed Prangy's home run. Yes. If, if you didn't see the video of that. I, I did not realize how close that was to me until it was next to me. Right. It was coming right at you. Thank goodness the tree was there. <laughs> oh, yes. We love Mother Nature. <laughs> okay. We're Bailey Dowling. We've put it in play. When we come back, we'll advance to first and look at the SEC. What happened in week two? Is Arkansas exactly who we thought they were? Is Texas A&M better? What happened to Georgia? We'll cover it all when we return here on the Out of the Box Podcast, episode 100. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. We are advancing to first, hopefully not tripping over pebbles or whatever else might be on the infield. No, no seashells. No, no. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Happy 100th, Tom. Thank you. Happy 100th to you. I was... I had the opportunity to walk on the field for just a little bit before the last game against Florida State. And yeah, around like the warning track and along the sides that the shell dirt, 
I, it felt like I was walking on the beach. Which I'm sure in theory yes, is fun. It sounds great. Diving. Not, eh. not fun. No. All right. Before we dive into the specific teams, let's just give our general thoughts on, on Clearwater. A, a couple storylines that came out of it. One, the home runs. Home run number incredibly high. But two, Tom, we saw a lot of wild pitches. And we're going to ask Amanda Scarborough about that later on. But, you know, you've you've had a lot of thoughts about Clearwater since we went in 2020. Yes. And it didn't seem like the 2023 version, at least infrastructurally, helped those thoughts. No, I mean, it was it was better, but the bar was really low yeah. with, with facilities and things like that. And I know, you know, Michelle Smith's talked about it. You know, they want to build a build a bigger, better facility to be able to host that thing. And the, the quicker they could do that, the better, because it's I mean, it's like we talked about, it's the best field in softball. You know, it's the best non-conference tournament in all of softball. Uh, definitely the best one, you know, east of the Mississippi. You know, you can argue about Mary Nutter and, and things like that. But the facility itself, there's been some improvements, but I think the number of wild pitches, the errors, things like that are indications that, you know, the field, the dirt, it's not D1 level. It just, it wasn't. That's, uh, you know, with, it would be one thing if it was just one or two teams having issues with it, but everybody had a wild pitch issue. And I can't help but think that some of that was because the dirt around the circle was not providing either the landing or the support that these pitchers are used to having. Uh, So they might've been slipping and sliding a little bit more than they were used to. Uh, we saw, you know, poor Callie Hevlin against UCLA. Yeah. Uh, she had two or three bad hops that got her. And then the one time she actually got charged with an error was because she was expecting a bad hop and didn't get one. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and we didn't see it against Florida State. And I think it's because the game before Florida State run ruled Louisiana. So the, uh, the, the grounds crew had enough time to actually, like, they spent a lot of time. Yeah, we went from 30 minutes to an hour of prep right. to essentially two and a half hours of prep time. And they, I mean, they were working that entire time and yeah. actually had to come out during the game and did some more work. So I think it's a little bit of, man, we got, we got such quick turnarounds. And I understand it's because of TV, but at the same time, you know, five or ten extra minutes could really help some of these, some of these games. Um, to get those quick turnarounds to happen. No one cares about, you know, what we have to do to be able to broadcast the games, uh, but there's still a lot of issues as far as that goes. I hope they're able to continue to uh, move toward building a new facility to continue to host that thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one cares, but we had to walk, a, you know, literally a half a mile from our from the media parking to the fields. Yeah, which, again, goes um, back to my Texas-Kentucky point about the scheduling. We had right. big bags of equipment as well. Sure, right. So, you know. Not quick. Golf carts, sometimes available, sometimes not. Where's the key, Tom? No one knows. <laughs> um, so, it's, yes, when there's literally two golf carts there, we say, hey, can we get a ride? And they say, we don't have any golf carts. So I'm like, I'm looking at two <laughs> golf carts right here but again not not anybody else's problem but when you're looking at you know that's that's a lot of the infrastructural stuff you know a 16 team tournament over five days is a bear to try to do Uh, and and, the scheduling stuff actually did go pretty well we didn't have much of an off-kilter delay at really any of the fields from what i understand no it really helped that there was only one weather issue and it was like a 30 minute downpour yeah uh, so we didn't have any extended weather uh, delays 
but you know there were still a few like you know why did Florida State have to play before Alabama you know on Sunday before you know Alabama did there I mean that everyone would have have a probably a complaint of some sort uh, but you know there's gonna those type of things are gonna happen but at, overall there just needs to be a better overall facility yeah. to host it and I will add one last note before we dive into some of the teams outfield perch. Big fan. Yes. If you throw an Ethernet cord out there for us, aces. It's like top three booths for me. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on being in the outfield. Wish they had one in on field three. Yeah, honestly, that's gonna, that's gonna be my suggestion because they have asked, asked for feedback, and yeah. I'm gonna say, you know, love the outfield perch. Give us an Ethernet cord, and you know, do it on all the fields. Yeah, just one Ethernet. That's it. Yes, just one little cord. They were change, up there, just would, not for us. No, would change the world. <laughs> we people would actually be able to hear. Right. Instead <laughs> of hearing the fans behind us, they could hear us. <laughs> the game is on, yes. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, Clearwater, a couple of the teams from the Southeastern Conference who showed up and both left with three and two records, but I think with different vibes following those three and two records. Let's start with Arkansas. They lost to Duke and Florida State. They beat Indiana, Louisiana, and Nebraska. Arkansas is exactly who I thought they were. A 293 batting average is honestly a little bit lower than I expected. 248 ERA, lost by three runs to FSU and Duke. They allowed 16 combined runs in those two games. Louisiana was a dogfight. Arkansas didn't really impress me in Clearwater. They leave with a winning record, but I mean, I, I think that they had a chance to make a statement this weekend, and they did not. Yeah, they're two marquee. They they lost their two big marquee games. Yeah, if you're Arkansas, you're you know defending SEC champions. You're hoping to come in to a tournament like Clearwater and make a statement. They weren't able to do that. Now they are a very very young team, especially offensively. So I don't think you can totally just you know give up on them uh, because they they had a you know. Wait wait road. wait! Two weeks. I can't make a yes, judgment I for know. the whole year. I know. I wouldn't. I would not quite yet. Oh my gosh! Say that they're not going to make the playoffs, but <laughs> somewhere Nathan Sheehan is laughing. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, but yeah, they're. I mean, they're a very young team that's going to continue to be working themselves out. The big question is: Is Shanice Dell's going to be able to uh, reach the level as she did last year? And Frankly, in the first couple of weeks, she hasn't really. No. So we'll see what she's able to do moving forward. That was a question mark for sure for us coming in. Texas A&M has an identical record in Clearwater, 3-2. and two. Feels so much better. Oh, my A&M. gosh. Wow. This is huge. And last week you talked about how if A&M goes 3-2, and two, we're going to have to start talking about them. The losses are to Oklahoma State and a little bit of a puzzler to Nebraska. There were some matchup decisions made that we'll talk with Scarborough about in just a bit. But decisive over UCF, pretty decisive over USF, and a really good win over Arizona. This was an A-plus weekend for a Texas A&M team that was looking to build off of a really good opening weekend against bad teams. Yeah, I'm very impressed with what A&M was able to do. Um, and, you know, we talked about it before. You know, you can have the, the same record but feel totally different about how a weekend goes. If you're an A&M, I think you're ecstatic. Uh, you're exactly what you've been able to do in the circle, most importantly, um, against some really good teams. And, you know, we kind of made the joke, enjoy being ranked one time, you know, for one week because we thought, you know, we didn't think it was going to go well for AM and Clearwater. But, you know, our apologies. They did. Yeah. They yeah. made my ballot this time. Yes. They well. were not on it last week. They were this week. Pretty high, actually. Good job, Trisha yes. Ford and AM. And yeah, again, now, now enjoy Mary Nutter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Well, more on that in just a bit. <laughs> 
Okay, away from Clearwater, Georgia. Ouch. What happened? Uh, honestly, I'm asking. What Ooh. happened? They lose to Stanford twice, once in extras, the other a shutout thrown by a freshman, Najari Kennedy for the Cardinal, and then a chance to close out strong. No, they lose to Charlotte. This is all going on in Athens, the great city Athens, a stadium that is very tough to play in, a stadium where Georgia offensively has typically been phenomenal. Home to the last resort. Yes. The opponents are good. I wrote on here, disaster. I don't think that's accurate, but man, it's a disappointment for sure for Georgia. It really is. And I mean, we we made the discussion, we talked about it during the broadcast of one of the games that, you know, Georgia is not known for playing really good competition in the non-conference. They play a lot of uh, tournaments where they don't bring any any Power 5 teams in, uh, but they kind of went against what that, you know, previous scheduling philosophy was by bringing in a team like Stanford and Chat uh, and Charlotte, who's a really good team too. Yeah. And you got them. <laughs> you got them this week for sure. A really kind of puzzling spot if you're Georgia and not sure where you go from here. It was very odd to see them kind of revert back to old Georgia. Team ERA right now is at 345. Kerpix is at 436. That, that's not going to work. That's, that's got to be better. Yeah, that, that's an issue. Yeah. And Walter's at 220. Kylie Macy has nine and two thirds innings, and everybody else has like two or three here and there. I mean, <sighs> Georgia plays Clemson tonight. Um, we'll watch it. I am curious about what Bulldog team we're going to see because the one I saw last weekend might get smoked tonight by a Clemson team that's feeling themselves. And that kind of is the same one of the other. This wasn't in Clearwater, but something we saw in Clearwater was teams really continue to be searching for uh number twos and number threes in their you know their pitching staff yeah uh, a lot of teams have those aces but what are they going to be able to do you know after those okay are you ready oh no we have a development this this is what we needed for episode 100. is the bit over i don't know kentucky lost to ut arlington and we're like hmm Who's pitching? Who would do that? Who Who is it? Yes. Well, they're certainly not going to throw a no-hitter the next time out. Stephanie Schoonover. That is who's pitching. A no-hitter against ranked North Texas. Yes. In Denton. Right. 18 strikeouts. Your SEC co-pitcher of the week. Hmm. It's a Kentucky pitcher. Yes. Hey, I believed in them. You're the one that says they're not any good. That's whoa. Okay, Facebook, <laughs> calm down. I didn't say they weren't good. I was just waiting for somebody to step up and be the ace. And has Rachel Lawson found it? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's kind of weird that their team batting average is, you know, 332, which is good, but right. dipping slightly from normal for Kentucky. What was the, the stat that you found? where Kayla Kowalik was in a, in a, in an area where she normally isn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember where it is. It's on D one softball.com. What a website. Uh, it's I've, one I've of, heard good things. Yes. It's one of those analytics pages where it was talking about which hitters are negatively affecting their team at the plate. And it was looking at week one data and in the top five was Kayla Kowalik who really struggled yeah. in week one, but she kind of got back on track in week two I still, you know, with Kentucky, I'm honestly expecting like 350 or above mm. team batting average wise this early in the year, especially when they're not at 
a place like Clearwater or at one of these high, high, high caliber tournaments. North Texas is a good team, yeah. but there were no other Power Five schools at this event. But still, honestly, if Kentucky has a pitcher to answer the question, who's, who's pitching, pitching, then I'm in. Like, sign me up. I know Kentucky will be able to hit. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. 100th episode, and we finally have an answer to who's pitching. We're still doing the bit, though. Just, yeah. Just so you know. The answer will just be Stephanie well, Schoonover. Yeah. <laughs> is that why we, we told you? Stephanie, Stephanie Schoonover. Schoonover. Right. Okay, back to Clearwater. Mississippi State goes 3-2. and two. Good? I, I'm ecstatic if I'm Mississippi State. Are you? Okay, because yeah. I'm curious. You know, we broke it down a little bit. The actual games weren't super challenging. If we if we power rank the strength of schedule in Clearwater, Mississippi State probably had one of the easier slates. Wins over Indiana, Arizona. That's the big one. Right. And USF. But their losses to Michigan and UCF were both by a run. So they were competitive in every single game they played. I think after whatever happened in week one, uh, this is this is really good. It's a good sign. Yeah, because when you have the type of week one that they did, losing – a couple of games, including one to Stony Brook. You're, and now, oh my gosh, we got to go to Clearwater. You know, coming out not being run ruled multiple times would be a positive. But to get three wins and your only two losses are to two good teams, one a top twenty five team and one just barely outside the top twenty five in UCF and Michigan. I think you're you're really happy if you're Mississippi State and you got a lot to kind of springboard moving forward from it. Yeah, pitching staff look good. Macy Graff is hitting five thirty six. You know, the the offense is starting to figure it out a little bit. I actually saw offensively some interesting just mental comparisons between what Mississippi State does and what Alabama does. Mississippi State just has people who find a way. You know, we were talking about who's going to step up for the Bulldogs and be the person they rely on in the big moments. Maybe it's everybody, just kind of like it was everybody for Alabama this past weekend. Yeah, it could be. We'll see. That could work. Yeah. We'll find out. Florida. They dominated most everybody, then had like one weird day. What, a, what an odd, because we're following this along. I was like, what? Bowling Green is yeah. leading them by what? And then UConn has a chance to win in the seventh inning. Florida won both games. Right. And outside of that one day, they just demolished every living, breathing human. But they haven't really played anybody. And it's going to be a step up this weekend. Yeah. So, you, you know, at this point, you can just say, well, they've done what they're supposed to do. Now, the question is, was that one day just kind of a, you know, just a, a rough day? You still got a couple wins, uh, but we're going to find out a lot more about Florida this week. Look at these batting averages. That is insane. Avery Gales, 560. Gaudy. More on her in a minute. 545 for Skyler, 500 for Charlotte Eccles, 483, just just horrible, Kendra Falby. Jeez. Uh, my gosh, you can't even crack the top three. <laughs> 483, goodness gracious. And Lexi Delbray threw this past weekend, so that's a good sign. We'll see how big her workload is, though, at the Nutter. And, and Hightower goes over 20 innings and doesn't give up an earned run. Mm-hmm. Again, the competition was what it was, but you know, you're looking, will Florida be able to return to what they normally have in the circle a lot of it's going to you know come down to what hightower is able to do tennessee they beat liberty but like everybody's doing that now right and they're who hasn't beaten liberty liberty one and nine on the year but by god the best one and nine team i've ever seen (laughs) they play real hard but the lady vols lost to fullerton team batting average 350 mckenzie donahue's hitting 524 donahue yes there we go 
Team ERA of 143. I do find it interesting. Peyton Gottschall looks like the number three right now for Tennessee. Carlin Pickens uh, has a couple more innings than her on the year. I mean, you know, Tennessee didn't play the strongest schedule in Mexico, but uh, this is still a team I feel pretty good about going forward. And I'm a little surprised to see that Ashley Rogers leads the team in innings pitch at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's a good sign. Hopefully that she's going to be able to stay healthy the entire year. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. A lot of it depends on her. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much else to add for Tennessee. Didn't get many eyes on them this weekend. You they were, kept playing while we were playing. Right. They either played while we were playing or at midnight. <laughs> Puerto Vallarta loves the 10 o'clock Eastern time first pitches. Ooh. Oh, boy. <laughs> Again, more on that in a minute. <laughs> LSU escaped Central Arkansas and Utah and needed some heroics against the Utes. Taylor Pleasants, a walk-off home run. Central Arkansas, LSU, stop scheduling them. Right. Why? <laughs> like, why would you do that? They beat them last year. This year, I believe it was 3-1 and 2-1, the final scores. Should have written those down. Either way, a tough weekend for LSU. They won all their games, but... And they they kind of reverted a little bit back to old LSU this weekend. Just the difference was Taylor Pleasance, who is absolutely raking. Because you remember last year, she really struggled to start off the year. Yes. Uh, so if that's not the case, then you know the offense will be able to get them through some games with the if the pitching is not quite there. Right. And Sidney Burzon, your SEC freshman of the week, a .39 ERA on the year. Very interested to see how LSU does once, you know, they face some higher ranked teams. It, it has been proven by now that Oregon State was not deserving of being in some preseason polls. There's a reason we kicked them out of a D1 one and uh, LSU needs to, to face a tough challenge before I start to fully buy in. Yeah, I'm with you. Ole Miss. Eh? <laughs> last, wow, yes. Last, I mean, they, they stay in Mexico again. I guess they're finally back in America now. And they finish it, this trip, with losses to Fullerton. You know, but Tennessee did it. And then Kansas? Yeah. And Kansas getting better, but uh, two combined runs in those two losses. Ole Miss has not backed up what I was hoping to see this year through two weekends. Yeah, they have not been consistent at all especially offensively. Yeah, I think the Fuller, I think Fullerton's a pretty decent team. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be too concerned about that one, but yeah, surprising loss to Kansas. Some of that may have just been, you know, fatigue from being out of the country. For My gosh, <laughs> they were there for so long. So, so long. So, I mean, th- there could have been some of that there, but not not really what you wanted to see from Ole Miss. No, team area of 258, that's fine. Team batting average of 273, that's mm. low. Yeah. At best, fine. I mean, eh. I don't know. I, I need to see more. Yeah. Is basically my review. There you go. No judgments, but I want to <laughs> see more. Yes. Okay. Finally, we've got Auburn, Missouri, South Carolina. They all swept the weekends. Not a ton of pressure. South Carolina had a couple tight games. Missouri had to come back against Pitt. Auburn destroyed everybody. Not a ton gleaned for me from these three. Although South Carolina's pitching much better in week two. Yeah, it was, it was a, a good day or a good weekend, I should say, for the Gamecocks and, you know, trying to rack up as many, many wins as possible before they get into conference play. Uh, wanted to ask you, what do you think of, of the Pentagon? What do you think about Matty Penta right now? 
I'll tell you what, 27 innings and zero earned runs is pretty good. Yeah, regardless of competition, that's impressive. That's impressive. How will she do when she plays Oklahoma in a few weeks? Right. If she is able to roll through that, and I actually think that could be a really good test for the Sooners. We haven't talked about the fact that they lost to Baylor yet. Mm, um, hate to see that. Just bad. fascinating potential matchup in the future. Yeah. Gonna say, oh, Oklahoma is going to find out some, because they're about to go through a bunch of SEC teams. <laughs> they're about to see what yeah. they're, what's coming up for them in the next few years when they join the conference. Yeah, we're going to dive a little bit more into the Sooners in just a moment because they're going to the Mary Nutter. But first, Tom, it's time to pick a player from the FGCL. Let's look at our FGCL Player of the Week nominees. Okay, okay. So I went back and I looked up all of the nicknames that we have. So Mac Leonard, Meryl Streep. Haley Lee was Glenn Close. Paige Rao was Judy Dench. <laughs> Dame so, Judy Dench. Dame, Dame Judy Dench. Dame Paige Rao. So I made a list of some people that we can maybe use going forward because we've got some returning nominees. Are All you right. ready? Yes. Mackenzie Clark, Clemson. Seven for 14, four RBIs, two home runs, two doubles, four walks, a strikeout, and nine runs scored. Wow. Well done. And well done by the rest of their team knocking her in. Yes, and a beaten Northwestern fifteen to two. That yeah, is that'll a, help. That was a that was a score that caught our eye. Claire Davidson, the MVP from Duke, thirteen and a third innings pitch, twelve hits, four runs, three earned, no walks, seven strikeouts, and at the plate nine for sixteen with four RBIs, two home runs, four doubles, a walk, and five runs scored. All that in Clearwater. Pretty good. Chloe Culp, North Florida. 8 of 15, 13 RBIs, 2 home runs, 2 doubles, 3 strikeouts, and 2 runs scored. Your A-Sun Player of the Week. Returning from Rutgers, Kylie Sand. 8 of 16, 2 RBIs, a triple, 2 walks, a strikeout, 6 runs scored. 1 Big Ten Player of the Week again, and has reached base in 46 straight games. It's pretty good. That's Quite good. Are we ready to call Kylie Sand Amy Adams if she doesn't win this week? Sure. We'll see. Okay. Avery Gales, Florida. This is stupid. 10 for 17. Let me just read that again. 10 for 17. Nine RBIs, a triple, four doubles, two walks, a strikeout, and five runs scored. Good gosh. I don't care who you're playing. <laughs> you're right. That is That's good. dumb. So good. Greer Bruce, Samford. We'll see her on Wednesday. 8 of 18, 6 RBIs, 2 homers, 3 doubles, a walk, and 3 runs scored. Had the game-tying home run in the bottom of the 7th against Ball State to force extras. He's also a Player of the Week nominee in the SOCOM. Okay. And finally, Bub Faringa. Bub! Bubby! Marshall. 7 of 15, 8 RBIs, 2 doubles, 2 walks, a K, and 6 runs scored. Against Indiana State, drove in the only run of the game, with an RBI double in the first, a one nothing win for the Thundering Herd, a battle of two future Alabama opponents. So, Tom, give me your two finalists. Wow. I'm going to say because of the caliber of competition, we'll go Claire Davidson at Duke and Avery Gales at Florida. Wow. All right, Kylie Sand, you're Amy Adams. Congrats. <laughs> Forever nominated, but yet to win. Mm. <laughs> one time. 10 of 17 is a 588 average. By the way, Skylar Wallace was the one who got SEC Co-Player of the Week at Florida. And I think Avery hit better than her this weekend. Wow, yes. Because they had like 11 D options because they beat 
everybody outside of that one day, like 15 nothing. Yeah, let's go with Avery Gels. All right. Avery Gels is your FGCL player of the week. I like it. You feel good about it? I do. Okay. Just, saying, just just hope she doesn't do that when Alabama plays Florida, because that's going to happen at some point. Get it out now. Yeah, get it out of your system. I mean, you know, yeah. you can do it at another. You can you do want, it right, but. yeah, sure. Week three games to watch. We mentioned it coming up Tuesday night. That is tonight as we record, so tomorrow as you're listening. Georgia at Clemson, Louisiana at UCF. Good test for Georgia, because Clemson is a top five team right now, in my mind, and maybe even higher. Georgia plummeted down my ballot after last week. Good chance to bounce back. Yeah, they're going to have to find a way. All right, let's do our usual. Pick one game each day that you really want to highlight. Let's start with Thursday, Tom. Well, there's that Florida-UCLA game. Good choice. Thank you, yes. This is why I still have flow, by the way. I broke down and got it for opening weekend to do some scouting. Still have it okay. so we can watch some of the flow games. You can turn it off. You don't have to leave it on. Not <laughs> We've still got flow. <laughs> yeah, somewhere Matt LeBlanc is laughing. Probably. Uh, yeah, noted out of the boxer, Matt LeBlanc. I certainly hope so. Matthew Perry actually listening to this pod right now. Thursday, I'm going to go Arizona at Arkansas. Two teams that I did not leave Clearwater impressed with. The mm-hmm. Wildcats lost to Mississippi State and A&M in one day. Obviously, we feel better about those two teams, but at the time, we were like, what What just happened? This mm-hmm. is a day where Arizona should sweep through. Arkansas? Eh, I mean, you know, prove to me you're not who I think you are. Be better than that. This is a great test for both these squads in Bogle. Mm-hmm. Friday, Tom. This will be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit be under the radar, but we saw Nebraska get a couple of good wins in uh, at Clearwater, and they get to take on Oklahoma State, who some people have as a top two team. It is me. Yes. I had Oklahoma State number two. Uh, and playing them at, in New Mexico in Las Cruces, a beautiful city, by the way. Will Oklahoma State be able to continue uh, you know, the, their, their level of play uh, against a team like Nebraska that could trip them up? Virginia Tech at Texas. Uh, what do we think about Texas? I don't know. You know? Yeah. I don't know. They, they should have lost to Kentucky. They had some head-scratching wins this past weekend in Austin. Virginia Tech deciding not to throw Emma Limley in all the big games this past weekend. She's going to have to start one of the two they play against Texas. Very exciting to me. Saturday. Well, I mean, it's always fun when the Raging Cajuns and the Bengal Tigers get together. Oh, boy. Yes. Get the gumbo. And just... For nothing else, just like the little sniping stuff they do, like on Twitter when you know they still call them ULL, just to and and then last, last, yes, yeah. oh yeah, it's great stuff. They I'm, know how to have fun down there. Absolutely, I'm looking at Clemson, Tennessee. All right, Tennessee, fine trip to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Here's Clemson, possibly coming off of a big win over Georgia in Tampa at USF. So neutral site, like this is this is going to be a really good test for the Lady Balls. I would also like to pinpoint Gray's new favorite team, Maryland, yeah. will be at Baylor oh, this the, weekend as well. The two giant killers yes. playing against each other. Maryland, who beat Oklahoma State. Baylor, who beat Oklahoma. The Bears have taken down the Sooners. And then the Sooners go to the Mary Nutter, where on Sunday... After a long week of games, none that we really talked about, but all that'll be interesting. 
On Sunday, though, it's Oklahoma-UCLA, which is the big bell cow of the weekend across the country. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, at, at worst, one versus three, at best, one versus two, and it's going to be, that, as a, that is a marquee matchup to have early on in the season. And I think, the, unbelievably, the, the team that has the most question marks entering that game is Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, what, where is this offense? Like, where, what, what are we doing? We, we kind of said, well, okay, you know, first week, you know, that kind of stuff happens. And they had some, you know, big explosive games. Yeah, blew out Longwood, sure. blew out Stephen F. Austin. Right. But then against a Baylor team, which is an improved team, they're a top 25 team now. But the, the issue is, where is the, where is the offense? Jordy Ball, too. Yeah. ERA over two. I mean, you know, maybe still trying to get back in the swing of things after the injury. Right now, if I had to make a pick, I'm taking UCLA. Yeah, because we were having discussions on whether or not you could bump UCLA up to number one before Oklahoma lost. And then they just, Oklahoma took the decision out of your Oklahoma hands. Oklahoma was like, yeah. don't fret. Don't worry. <laughs> the answer is yes, yes you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but that's the unbelievably the question marks with Oklahoma. Crazy times that we live in. It is, it's weird. Yeah, UCLA in such good shape with Faramo. I do wonder, you know, a couple things, in particular with UCLA. So they play Texas A&M the night before. That's a tricky A&M team, and that game is going to be late. You know, I was talking to Jen. I believe it's currently scheduled for 5.30 Pacific time. The Mary Nutter consistently has delays because of the schedule, so that could be even later in the night than it is on the schedule. And then UCLA, Oklahoma, do you know what time this game starts? I do not. 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. Oh, wow. I would pick UCLA, but the schedule does not work in the favor of UCLA. So it's not just Clearwater that has schedule no. issues. 9.30 a.m. for a one versus two game. What are we doing? Yeah, there's probably travel issues with Oklahoma. Uh, then but... do the game Saturday night. I right. mean, yeah, just flip that. Do put UCLA, Texas A&M on Sunday. and Or Oklahoma, move your flight. We know you have the money. Right. <laughs> It loves to give you a different charter plane. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, man, I, very disappointing. Very disappointing that game is that early, but I think going to be a lot of fun to watch. I will be up, so I might as well watch it. Okay. Yeah. Get on the flow. The, on the flow. Fill in the flow. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> West Virginia. <laughs> uh, West Virginia needs a softball team. Okay. It's time. We've got the sign. Are you ready to steal second? Let's do it. Okay. When we come back, we're going to cover Clearwater like with our friend Amanda like, Scarborough. Like we're Allie Shipman. Oh, stealing yeah. second. Green light girl. Yes. Bada bing, bada boom. Tied for the team lead in, in stolen bases. Indeed. Mm. <laughs> when we come back, Amanda Scarborough's here. We'll look at Clearwater. We'll preview a little bit of the Mary Nutter. And we'll talk about the great Monica Abbott and her retirement from the sport of softball. That's next year on the Out of the Box Podcast. of the out of the box podcast it is time to steal second gray robertson tom canterbury who better to have on for our 100th episode the the milestone that everyone has been looking forward to across the country the extravaganza yes we've had lots of parties possible treats are upcoming but we've got a treat right now with our friend from espn the all-american from texas a&m the seven innings podcast we were somehow 
like 10 feet away from each other multiple times this past weekend and never saw each other face to face. It's our friend Amanda Scarborough. It's a complete blur in Clearwater. Um, My past five days, I think, are a blur. But congrats on 100 steals. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> right? We have, we have, yeah, we've stolen second a hundred times, yeah, all right. give or take. That's awesome. Good stuff. I'm happy to be here. Well, Amanda, we, we got a lot of stuff from Florida that we have to look at, but that's not where we're starting. No, we began in Waco, Texas, because the group chat came alive as Baylor found a way to beat Oklahoma four to three. The Sooners go down in week two. We've already got a new number one in college softball. How much should we read into that result and how Baylor won that game, all things considered from what we've seen from Oklahoma to start the year? I mean, I think if anything, the way that Oklahoma has played early this season, um, which is maybe just saying not as many run rules as what they had at this point in the season and not as many home runs just gives other teams some life. Like, I really think that, I mean, you could feel it. And I I saw, um, or heard about players down on the field at Clearwater, you know, running up and saying, Hey, did you hear that Oklahoma lost? Um, because so it, it starts to make waves. It makes noise. Like it, it really, truly gives confidence to other players, other fans for their teams, other coaching staffs of just like, okay, they can be beaten. So I think the biggest question though, you guys is, can they be beaten twice in a regional? Could they be beaten twice in a super regional? Could they be beaten twice at the world series? Could they be beaten twice? That's the bigger question to me. Um, but I, I do think that when we look at Oklahoma's offense, it's definitely not, um, as potent as maybe what we thought that it would be. It's still very early in the season, but you look at somebody like Sydney Sanders, a transfer from ASU, and she's just not put up the numbers that we know that she's capable of, right? Like she's very talented. And, and even looking at what Jordy ball has done early this season, the expectations are just so high. So, so high 20 home runs for every player expecting Jordy ball to have an under one ERA um, because we know that they're that talented and that they're that good, but that's not what they've done so far. But I think it's giving some other teams life and, and props to Baylor for hold, holding on to a one run lead to Oklahoma, um, is not an easy feat. So Aaliyah Benford with the save, she has a nasty changeup. I love to see her out there fight. She's so athletic. Like that's a huge deal for a pitcher to hold a lead and get those last three outs. It, it's easier said than done. Always. It's a big deal. Let's go to Clearwater where we were this past weekend. And one of the major overall storylines was the inordinate amount of wild pitches throughout the event. Uh, we noticed it. Y'all noticed it. Everybody noticed it. Uh, why do you think that was such an issue this past weekend for pretty much everybody? Yeah, I, I literally am stumped. I, I don't know, but I noticed the same thing over and over again, that catchers were blocking left and right. Balls were going in the dirt left and right. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it could be nerves. Uh, maybe it could be that the hitters were just so good this weekend, starting out early on Thursday. Uh, that pitchers were just a little tight, trying too hard. Um, uh, like the weather was good for the most part, except for like an hour, I think on Friday night where it rained a little bit. So we can't blame that because the weather was gorgeous. It was beautiful. But, um, I mean, if anything, I would just chalk it up to nerves and just trying to be perfect right now, or, or this past weekend in Clearwater, the ball was flying out of the ballpark. And so as a pitcher, you start to feel that. 
you start to be, try to be a little bit more perfect with your change up and throw it a little bit lower. So it's not left up in the zone. You're trying to make your drop ball drop even more and spin it and it goes down in the ground. So I feel like maybe that's the reason. Um, but it's, it's really hard to say because there were a lot, a lot, a lot. Like it was just weird. I mean, yeah. we noticed it when Alabama and Duke, we saw a lot and then we were watching games like, well, hmm, that's, that's weird. And then Alabama UCF, we saw multiple from both sides. Like it was, it was just one of those things that quite obviously became a trend, like the middle of Friday. No words. I, I literally, I wish that I could come up with a like legitimate explanation, but uh, maybe it was a slightly different ball too that we were playing with this past weekend. I, I, I don't, that's one thing I wish I would have asked while I was there. I do think that we were playing with a different ball than what we do in normal regular season games. And that can, your grip is everything as a pitcher. And if you're practicing with one ball and, and maybe you're thrown in there with a, a brand new ball, like maybe the balls weren't rucked up as much as what they normally are. Like that's that slipperiness or slickness can, can really make a difference for, for a pitcher as much as you don't want to make excuses. I mean, those are legitimate reasons from pitching myself, uh, many pitches like that can make a difference. Well, one of the games where pitching was not a problem was the game of the weekend, the big primetime event. As we record, we don't have ratings yet. I'm sure they were huge. When Alabama and Florida State faced off, it was Montana Fouts. It was Catherine Sandercock. You were on the call for that game. You know this question's coming. What were your biggest takeaways from what you saw between the Tide and the Seminoles? I think the quick adjustments that Alabama was able to make against Sandercock in that one inning, it was like one time through and the top of the order comes up and boom, two solo home runs off of her. Um, I think that that's what we've seen from Alabama is I really like the approach that they've been able to either adjust to or stick to from the very beginning. I feel like that has been very noticeable in Alabama's offense early on this season that they are seemingly much more prepared to stick with that approach. And their offense either came out hot and scored runs early, or they were able to make that quick adjustment to get to a pitcher. So that was definitely um, something that, that popped into my mind um, when watching them. And I also think that Montana's drop ball stuck out to me and her ability to use her uh, rise ball early in the game and then switch more to her drop ball late in the game. She got strikeouts with her rise early and then strikeouts with her drop ball late. Um, and then also mid game, be able to take a few miles an hour off of that pitch to be able to make it move more. She was hitting 71, but some of her best drop balls, some of her best pitches was at that 68 mile an hour mark. Um, and then, and then mixing her change up some, she's going to have to do it. We saw it more this weekend, probably than what we have in years past or in an entire year. And, and some of the years that she's pitched at Alabama. So, uh, those are my biggest takeaways. Um, being able to shut pitch a complete game against Florida state and their great coaching staff and the way that they also usually make adjustments is no easy feat. So uh, props to her for that, that complete game and uh, being able to get against a win against a really good Florida state team. That, that was just a great game. One of the low scoring games that we had at the weekend. Well, yeah, there was adjustments, but also uh, the credit to the, the jinxing that was done in the left field oh. uh, <laughs> scaffolding. Yes. Uh, yes. So we, we, uh, we, we, have a really good batting average as we pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, since our hundredth episode, we get the credit. <laughs> you know, whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Like you're a fan for a team, like whatever it takes to get the win. And that was a big win on ESPN and Alabama ended up going four and one and Florida State ended up going three and two. So that's a big that's a big flop of a record. I feel like four and one feels a lot different than three and two for a weekend. 
speaking of that, after this weekend, when the tide does go four and one, get some good wins, including Florida State, including Duke. The only loss was a a two run tough loss to UCLA. Uh, where do you think Alabama stands right now as far as an SEC or national championship contender? God, you guys just hit me with the hard questions. Huh? Here we come. I, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've seen two different Alabama teams. So it's really, really hard for me to say. Like, I feel like Alabama is a team right now that can play really well. And I feel like Alabama is a team right now that there are some innings. And I think it's because of their youth. And I think it's because of Montana trying to get used to um, a new pitching coach and, and figure out some pitch calling where it, they don't look as sharp as, um, as some other times. And there's a, a game like Sunday night where they really are able to put it all together. Um, I think that obviously the, the things that it all depends on are going to be the freshmen playing a big part, which they did this past weekend and, and stepping up. And I feel like you learned a lot about the Alabama freshmen like Larissa Pruitt, Kristen White, um, and Kenley. And then, um, and, and Montana just figuring out like Montana can win a national championship when she's on and has that look in her eye and, um, she's proven that she can. So, uh, those two things I feel like are, are the big question marks and props to Ashley Pringy. I feel like for coming out with a bang too. Like, I'm so happy for her. I don't know her, um, from, you know, some other softball player. Cause I've never gotten a chance to talk to her, but I'm happy for her in the way that she's come out. She just looked early, like she's swinging it loose and, and confidently. And I know what that feels like as a player. So I'm just happy for her, uh, player to player that, that she's seeming like she's, she's in a good spot right now. That's huge for them. We're happy to have Amanda Scarborough here on the Out of the Box podcast as we steal second. Scarborough, we got to talk about your alma mater, another SEC team that impressed us in Clearwater. We were texting about the Texas A&M Aggies privately, and you've mentioned pretty much since the start of the year that something just looks different, just feels different about this team. Besides the obvious, there just seems to be a different vibe about this squad under Trisha Ford. Can you describe what that vibe might be? What is it that's making the Aggies look like such a different squad? Yeah, I think that similar to like the approach that I talked about with Alabama, that it looks like they're confident and they have approach and feel prepared about that approach. I see the same thing with Al with uh, A&M's offense. Um, I, I think that you're seeing the pitchers their mechanics in itself. When I watch them pitch, I feel like they're a lot more efficient and balanced and connect like just from like a kind of mechanics part, they look sharp. Like they look like they're going to have consistent mechanics, every pitch. And it's, it's hard as I'm like, I'm like trying to keep it as simple as possible because I know that not everybody knows as much about pitching as I do, but like, I feel like their pitchers mechanically just look much more sharp and there's their hitters just have a really plan. They're being aggressive. They're taking extra bases. Even if they get out, it's, it's early in the season, but they're seeing what they can do with their speed. They're seeing what they can do to take an extra 60 feet. And I love that aggressive mentality that you're seeing them them play with right now. And, and they too have a couple of freshmen that are going to play key roles like Amari Harper and Keely Williams. I mean, those are two very talented freshmen and Riley Valentine. I mean, there are some good freshmen in the SEC. And I think that Alabama and AM have integral parts of their team that are going to rely on freshmen. And then um, lastly, and following up about the pitching, Emily Kennedy looks like one of the best pitchers in the country right now. Um, she shut down Arizona's offense. She's been able to start games. She's been able to have relief in games and close games. Like she has a different look in her eye and she's been able to mix her pitches in a way that I've not seen her do uh, in her time at AM, which is just one year, but she's throwing 70 from the left-hand side. Like when she's doing that, she's like that, which she does does every game she can be one of the best pitchers you guys up down change that's what she's doing right now it's impressive in Clearwater it was UCLA and Oklahoma State finishing at 5-0 and the only undefeated teams 
what did they do in Clearwater and what do you see from them that kind of set them apart from everybody else? I feel like they hit. I'm not going to sit here and say that Oklahoma State and UCLA pitched perfect, pitched the best, played the best defense because, I mean, UCLA, I mean, you look at their defense, there's a little bit shaky in some positions. They're trying to fill, fill out some some spots. Who, they have a lot of options. I mean, they have a really deep roster, and I feel like they're trying to figure out who can play best in which position. Uh, but the one positive for sure is is all these hitters. Oh my gosh, Oklahoma State's offense and Kylie Naomi and the at-bats that their transfer Rachel Becker can put together and their um, their freshman player, Talon Edwards, who should be in high school too. I mean, they're so good. They're putting together professional at-bats and I felt like Oklahoma State's offense this weekend was overwhelming. It was suffocating. Like they could just score a ton of runs. They did give up quite a few runs, but they scored a bunch of runs fast. Um, and I think of Oklahoma State, offense. And I think power, when I think of UCLA's offense, I just think, um, consistent stringing things together. They didn't have as many home runs, but their freshmen like Alabama and AMs, they have a lot of impactful freshmen too. Um, had some big moments and stepped up the biggest. Like I think that their freshmen had the highest amount of RBIs on their team, even more than somebody like Maya Brady. I mean, Megan Grant has been huge. Jordan Woolery, the at-bats that she put together and even Kennedy Powell. I mean, those three freshmen right there are going to win you a lot of games. So when you have Taylor Tinsley, another freshman in the circle to back up Framo, like I thought that they just looked really tough and really complete, uh, which is hard to say early in the season, but I feel like UCLA truly looked complete, had some come from behind wins, had some, some wins that were late in the game, very close where their backs were against the wall and they still figured out a way to win. I mean, UCLA looks legit and Oklahoma state's offense looks, looks legit too. You mentioned, you mentioned freshmen. How important is it for the young players on all the teams that played in tournaments like uh, Clearwater this past weekend to play at those, at those big high-pressure situations so early in their career against the most elite talent? It's massive because I think that you saw teams who hadn't played at that tournament before come out and be tight and come out and, and have slow starts. I know that I saw that with watching AM play Oklahoma State for the very opening game. It's just different. Um, when you're playing at your home field and you're in front of your home crowd, even whether it's at Alabama or Oklahoma or whoever, you're comfortable. All those fans are cheering for you. But um, in a different neutral site, there are some fans cheering for you, but there are a lot of people cheering for the other team, just there to watch the game. You don't know who they are. Like it's a very different feel. And then you, not to mention you have all these cameras on um all around the field and you're surrounded by other really quality teams. So to play in a tournament like this for a freshman is just an experience that you can't recreate at practice. Um, you won't be able to recreate the pressure, the, the feeling of pressure, the feeling of the adrenaline, the feeling of being on TV. Like you can't recreate that at practice. So all these freshmen got invaluable um, experiences that they're going to take with them the rest of the season for sure. All right, Amanda, we've done all the lovey-dovey stuff. Let's talk about the teams that did not quite rise to what we were hoping to see. What squad do you feel like in Clearwater fell under the expectations that maybe you brought in coming into this past weekend? I think um, in terms of, you know, coming away with wins and losses, I look at somebody like Virginia Tech. Um, I didn't expect for them to take away so many losses, um, but I <laughs> I mean, when your pitcher has 17 strikeouts and you still lose, like that's just, that's tough to swallow, right? Emma Limley had 17 strikeouts against Arizona and legitimately looked unhittable. And then Arizona still finds a way to win, which 
leads to another team. Arizona may have been a little bit disappointed. I mean, they lost to Mississippi State. They lost to AM. They came off of a big weekend where they were uh, opening weekend uh, with like five run rules scored in almost every inning. And they were feeling really good coming into uh, the Clearwater weekend, but they started out slow and then um, ended up picking up what a couple of wins at the, the end of the weekend, including that big one against Virginia Tech. So um, the, the Arizona start was definitely one that, that caught my up, caught my eye. Um, and then Arkansas had a slow start to the weekend too. They lost two games early and then won three games, uh, to end it. Unfortunately, I, I feel like Arkansas must've been playing when we were calling games or something. Like I didn't get to just quite frankly, I didn't get to see Arkansas a lot. Um, I feel like I more so just like heard about their games and like got to catch a few innings here and there, but I don't feel like I got to, cause I didn't call any of their games either. I didn't get to really like break see Arkansas. So I'm just basing it off of their record and, and, and losing those first two and coming away with three wins. But I will say uh, in terms of lovey dovey, I mean, Duke finishing the, the, the weekend four and one massive, they lost that first game, one run game to Alabama, and then came away with four wins. Um, and they had, a, they're one of those teams that had a slow start. They were tight. They didn't play well early in that game and then clawed their way back into the game against Alabama. And then after that, they were able to compete and get those four wins. So major props to Duke for coming away with the four and one record. And I thought that their freshman pitcher, uh, Cassidy Curd looked so yeah. good. So good. Um, I was so impressed with her. She only gave up one earned run the entire weekend. She pitched like 16 innings for them. They gave her starts. They brought her in relief. Like she was nails and freshman pitcher McKenna Reed for Florida state two left-handed pitchers that can spin it throw with good velocity and their coaches really relied on them and they stepped up to the challenge this weekend looking ahead to this week with uh, the mary nutter you got a couple of big matchups for ucla going out there they're going to play both florida and oklahoma a couple of other teams that outside of ucla that you kind of have questions about uh, surprisingly the team you have more questions about going into the game against ucla is oklahoma and then florida um, they've been really good so far, but they haven't really played anybody. Uh, what do you expect to see from those two games? Yeah, I'm really excited and um, to see all these teams play each other. And I'm like currently Googling who plays who, because that was something in the seventies podcast. I like tossed to somebody else, but um, <laughs> to, to go over, well, because I was hosting him and somebody else went through the schedule. Well, and, and it helps when you have like seven other people you can throw it to as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's so true. Um, okay. I will say I'm looking forward to what Florida does this weekend. I feel like Florida has come out really strong. Elizabeth Hightower has only given up one run, zero earned runs, one run all season. And Riley Trilicek has actually pitched the most innings on their team, which is very interesting. And she's had a really great start. Uh, they've only committed three errors. And I feel like that's something that every year we've come to know and love about the Florida team is that they play that lockdown defense. So with the way that they're playing, um, Charlotte Eccles looks like she's off to a good start and Skylar Wallace are stealing a lot of bases. We know that about their offense and maybe a little extra pop, um, that, that we can, um, expect from them, I think this season too, but, um, that Oklahoma UCLA game is definitely going to be like the marquee matchup. Uh, of the weekend. And for some reason they play at like nine 30 on Sunday morning, like the opposite of prime time, I think is like nine 30 Sunday morning, but that Oklahoma UCLA matchup will, will be then. So, uh, we'll learn a lot. And I'm also interested to see, um, how Kentucky plays out there. I feel like Kentucky is a team that has really battled early on this season, um, has gotten some good wins. They've lost to UTA last weekend. So I feel like we're trying to figure out a team like Kentucky, uh, and the same thing for Missouri. 
I do have a few concerns about Northwestern with the amount of runs that they're giving up early in the season. Um, it, it is pretty staggering the amount of runs that they gave up to Clemson last weekend. So they have a, a quick turnaround and a chance to uh, make some noise in a good way uh, competing in the Mary Nutter this weekend. Yeah, I think with Oklahoma and UCLA, what interests me about their slates are the games, especially with UCLA, outside of the big ones on each day. I mean, you know, UCLA has that game with Florida. The next day, they've got a game with Kentucky. We expect to see Megan Framo against Florida. How do the pitchers look against Kentucky? Uh, Oklahoma, or UCLA has A&M the night before they play Oklahoma. That could be a great opportunity for Texas A&M to swipe one from the Bruins right before that marquee matchup. Yeah, I mean, that would be really great for um, for A&M, wouldn't it? And, you know, Trisha Ford and that coaching staff has experience of coaching against UCLA so many times. So um, I'm sure to to prepare them and, and get AM ready. They're going to have a really good game plan and, and get them prepped and ready for them. Um, I think that UCLA for sure has one of the toughest schedules there uh, with the games that they play. I mean, back-to-back weekends going from Clearwater to Palm Springs. AM and UCLA are the only two teams that um, we're going to play in both Clearwater and in Palm Springs. But um, looking at UCLA's schedule, I mean, they, they have six games there and Florida, Kentucky, Iowa Northwestern, AM and Oklahoma. I think that UCLA has has the toughest schedule there. That's tough. When when we talked to Trisha Ford during our, our preseason uh, preview, uh, she was very adamant that she did not make this schedule. So it's, it's like, you know what, we uh we are going because that we were previously uh obligated to go. <laughs> so they're gonna go and see. Interesting. Good to know. <laughs> never know. You we'll just never see. know what's going, you know, like you look at a schedule and stuff and it's like, you never really know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe some team dropped out and then a new team gets in, or maybe it was a last minute scheduling. Like there's like scheduling itself is like an entire job of a coaching staff that like one extra additional person could do, but all the many roles of being a head coach and being a softball coach, right? Like they wear a bunch of different hats and that's, that's one of them is that scheduling. It's tough. Yeah. And you never know what a blessing playing those games could be. I mean, last week we were looking at our what to watch list and I said, just for funsies, Oklahoma at Baylor. And then it becomes the lead story out of the weekend. Amanda Scarborough here on the pod, Amanda, last thing before we let you go, as we record today, the great Monica Abbott announced her retirement from the sport of softball, at least playing wise. We know she's going to be around uh, in many capacities, but a legend is no longer going to tow the rubber for Team mm. USA or uh, anywhere for that matter. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on what Monica has meant to the entire sport, both at the collegiate level, but also, of course, in the professional ranks. Yeah, I think that softball definitely won't feel the same without Monica Abbott and and Kat Osterman too, for that matter, um, to the best to ever do it. But Monica specifically, I mean, what a legacy that she's going to leave, what she did professionally in the U.S., what she did professionally playing in Japan for 13 years, a U.S. Olympian, two-time silver medalist, um, Tennessee Hall of Fame. The first Tennessee softball All-American was Monica Abbott. Um, and I think that you'll look back and not just think of her professionally and what she's done, but her coming from California or going from California to play at Tennessee was absolutely massive for the SEC and the growth of the SEC. We know we and we talk about the SEC now for being the strongest conference um, in the country, the deepest top to bottom. And, and we know the SEC for what it is now. But it wasn't like that really before Monica 
decided to go play at Tennessee. And that's when Tennessee ended up in the world series and the strength of the sec got stronger and stronger for a recruit, a pitcher like Monica Abbott to go and play there. She not only impacted Tennessee, but she impacted the conference um, of the sec and has impacted our sport greatly. And one thing about her too, is that you see all the strikeouts that she got. I mean, she's known for throwing 70 to 75 miles an hour from the left-hand side and being one of the best strikeout pitchers we've ever seen in our sport, but she had, she works and worked and on past tense tirelessly at her craft to stay in shape, to, to find the little ways to go from throwing 70 to 71, 71 to 72. That's not easy. She made it look easy, but how she pushed herself to get better and better every year, even when she was 30 plus years old is what I feel like a, a big part of her legacy that we'll always remember. Mm, what a legend, Monica Abbott retiring from softball, but you know, I'm, we, she won't go far. We will see her again very soon. I'm sure <laughs> she'll be around. I, she has to be, we're going to make her. And I think she wants to be is what she said. She's excited to still stay around the sport, but in a different way. We'll miss her though. Watching her pitch from the left-hand side and her unique motion, she will be missed. <laughs> it's, it's no surprise though, that usually the players that have the most talent like that end up be, becoming the most elite ones are the ones that work the hardest. Yeah. 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 No surprise at all. Yeah. A lesson to all the yes. youths out there, work hard. It'll pay <laughs> off. You never Always. know. You might be the best ever. Speaking of the best ever, it's a great way to describe Amanda Scarborough. <laughs> Hopping on our 100th episode. Amanda, you're one of our first guests in the Yay. early days. And now here you are on the big milestone. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. It's always a pleasure. And I just want to say this. I'm not going to spoil anything, but we're going to see you a lot in person this year. And I'm very excited for potential chats and maybe dinners going ahead uh, this season. Yeah, I'll see you in Austin and then I'll see you in Tuscaloosa for the Arkansas Alabama series and great job you guys seriously 100 episodes is a huge deal so major props to you guys for staying consistent with it staying great with it pushing for more um, and covering our sport you guys invest in our sport so much and love the podcast and everything that you guys do so great job seriously. Thanks Amanda we'll see you soon. Bye guys. That was Amanda Scarborough. What a time with our friend. And uh, yeah, I wasn't going to spoil it, but she did. We will see her in Austin and here in Tuscaloosa when the hogs come to town. Should be a lot of fun. Really excited to see her. And I thought it was some really good insight on what uh, she saw in Clearwater this weekend. Yeah. And Kevin Brown, I see your tweet. I have stuff planned for that Arkansas series. Don't you worry. Terry Henry is going to be here. I mean, it's going to be crazy. What will we do? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows Who? what's going to happen? Who? will win trivia mm. it's time to round third put on my thinking cap oh boy will it matter probably not we'll see it's tom canterbury versus eric lopez versus madison shipman three will enter one will leave and the other two can go too they just won't have anything that's next here on the 100th episode of the out of the box podcast Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 
the Out of the Box Podcast. It's time to round third on the 100th episode. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury. And Tom, we did an episode a couple years back, an ode to Alex Trebek, where you talked about your time on Jeopardy. And so I figured that for the 100th episode, it was time for the Softball Trivia Battle Royale. Wow. And likely just like on Jeopardy, I'm not going to win this one either, but (laughs) all right, let's give it a shot. We'll see. We have brought in friends from other softball podcasts to compete with Tom in a bout of softball trivia representing the seven innings podcast. You know her as the all American from Tennessee. Alabama fans know her as Allie's older sister from ESPN. It is the great Madison Shipman. I'm I've got to admit I think I'm more nervous for this trivia round than I have been in all my years of playing I'm just going to throw that out there because I I know that everybody else on here is just like a walking encyclopedia of softball so I feel a little bit outmatched Uh, not at all and one thing though I don't know if you heard uh, Allie uh, currently right now leads Alabama in doubles and she said oh no I'm turning into my sister and to which to which I replied, yeah, your sister was a three-time All-American. There's nothing wrong with that. So- <laughs> I know. I was, I was giving her a hard time for all the line drives that she's been hitting around the field. I was like, have you been watching some of my old film? What's going on? <laughs> We're playing throwback softball with Allie yeah. Shipman. So Madison Shipman is here and representing our friends at the End the Circle podcast. We'll do the crossover later on in the year, of course. But we've got Eric Lopez, who we saw... Yeah, I guess maybe two days ago, it could have been two weeks ago. I don't know. Time stood still in Clearwater, but Eric is here. How are you, Eric? I'm doing good. It was good to hang out with you at the Alabama UCF game, watching Allie Shipman play in person. And now I get to see Madison on the show a few days later. So I, at least I know now I don't have to worry about Madison cr- crushing me with doubles and homers like Allie did. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> All right, so here's how this is going to work. We've got five categories in play. Each question is worth one point there are four questions available so when it becomes tom's turn he'll say okay i want this category question two i'll read that if he's correct he gets a point if not i'll let everybody know the answer and we'll move on once three questions are gone from each category that category is closed the winner will receive something from the out of the box treasure chest i'm hoping for a koozie because i don't have enough of those (laughs) i well we're running low too we had some people (laughs) in clearwater ask for things i was like sorry the budget doesn't have any more okay so are we all clear on the rules is everybody ready let's go okay and listeners if you have questions i'm sorry this is recorded all right we here (laughs) is the list of who will be answering questions in which order i am pressing randomize tom can confirm the first person will be eric second will be madison third will be tom here are the five categories available okay boomer it just means more back the pack okay secrets and who am i coaches edition all right eric you have first pick who you got all right i like the fact that i got madison shipman protecting me in the lineup i'm very pleased with that (laughs) uh i'll go uh okay boomer one okay boomer one okay eric your question is How many Oklahoma Sooners are in the top 10 in Big 12 career home runs entering 2023? How many Oklahoma Sooners are in the top 10 in Big 12 career home runs entering 2023? Again, that is entering this year. How many are in the top 10? All time. 
All time. All time. We're talking. Okay. All right. Wow. We're, this is the first question? Holy mackerel. <laughs> we might all be in for a long night. Uh, I see Madison Facial agrees with me on that. Uh, yeah. I will say I'm going to go seven. Eric says seven. The answer is eight. Oh. Eight. Oh. Mm. Domination, though, by the suitors. Who's surprised? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Except for this week against Baylor. Okay, mm. Madison, you're up. Oh, which one do I want to go with? Uh, let's see. I'll do the coaches one. Who am I? Let's go with number one. Who am I? Number one. Okay. This head coach who oversaw a conference switch at his or her previous school has just begun a new tenure out West. This head coach who oversaw a conference switch at his or her previous school has just begun a new tenure out West. Oh man. I don't even, I. <sighs> do you know this one? I do. Tom knows it. Dang it. He knows this one. I, get, I, I have no idea. I don't even know who to throw out here. So I'm, we're going to let Tom answer it. Is it uh, Joe Evans? It is Joe Evans. Yeah. No wow. points yeah, for Tom. Joe Evans. Now yeah. I know. Now I, you say that. Mm. Now I'm like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Uh, That's okay. We're yeah. just getting warmed up. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Tom. No, there's some rise balls here. There's some, some rise balls right <laughs> off the bat. I swung, I swung and missed hard. <laughs> We're all pulling a Sam Fisher here. All right, Tom, um, what category are you picking? Uh, well, I'll have to go just means more. And let's go with question number four. Question number four. Okay, yes. now this is actually timely as we record today. Oh, good. Uh, Monica Abbott announced her retirement today. Uh, shout out to Monica. She holds the career SEC record for wins in the circle with 189. Which Florida All-American is second on the list with 136? Ooh. Well, I mean, I know they've had a lot of greats, uh, but I am. if I go with a Florida pitcher, I'm going to go with Barnhart. Barnhill. Barnhill, excuse me. Barnhill. Uh, it, both are wrong. Okay. <laughs> the good. answer is Stacy Nelson. Oh. <laughs> Stacy Nelson. Oh, I knew. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Man. It's okay. We're going to get, right. we're, we're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> this is great podcasting. Gray, Gray is throwing a perfect game. Right now. <laughs> perfect game. In the I think Greg did this just to make himself look good. I feel. Yeah. Like. I, I I checked with all of these with Amanda and Jen, and they're like, "Yeah, those are good." Okay. All right. Back to Eric. Round two. No points yet. Eric, pick a category and a question. Back the pack for three. Back the pack, number three. Okay. <laughs> in the last decade, only two players have cracked the top ten in Pac-12 career batting average as of the stats entering this year. Interestingly, both were transfers. Name one of those two players. Man, I've lucked out here with these historic top 10 categories. Uh, Pac-12 Pac transfers. Last 10 years? So we're going Last 10 from, years. from 2013 mm -hmm. on. Now they did, well, you're not going to give me hints. Um, let me <laughs> I might have accidentally. Well, I'm just saying, like, did they transfer to the Pac-12 school? They transferred out of it transfers wow i'm glad i didn't get this one i have no idea this no is, i've had bad luck here that's good this is the hard one in the pack i'm so sorry <laughs> i've yeah it's my fault i asked the I, I picked it um i will go shelby penley shelby penley is not one of the options oh. bailey klingler oh, who was at washington klingler was going to be my 
my yeah. name. Uh, and uh, the other one, Tom, Alexis Mack at Oregon. Oh, wow. <laughs> How about that? Who oh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? That? I had no idea. And she played here. Yeah. I had no clue. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. We're, we we got to get on the board. Somebody, Madison. Somebody get a hit. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. The let's go. It just means more. I don't which which number did I you, did you've got one, two, and three on the board. Oh, okay. Uh we'll we'll go with two. Okay. Which SEC team has appeared in the SEC Tournament Championship a record 11 times, although not since 2017? Florida? No, mm. very no. close. Do you know it? Uh, Tennessee? No, it's LSU. Ah, uh, LSU, yeah. LSU. Yeah. Well, I feel bad. I knew Florida was because 2019, the most important softball game that ever was played. Sure, yes. Oh, yeah, uh, Florida won it. Florida won it. What, 2019? Was that 2019? Yeah. Yeah, I should have known that. Uh, okay. I'm sure the listeners at home are like, this is exciting. Dang, Gray. Yeah. You geez. Yeah. Jerk and other strong language. Okay, Tom, I you war- I did. I warned you that yes. trivia is not my strong suit. I think the only trivia I might be good at is Harry Potter trivia, but I know that Sam <laughs> is going to be way better at that than I am. So <laughs> that'll be the tiebreaker. Um, I'll do the, the OKC, OK Secrets for yes. two. Okay, secrets for two. Yes. Okay, here we go. In the 2019 Women's College World Series. I was there. Which pitcher had the best ERA over the event? Ooh. (laughs) All right. Montana Fouts. The answer is Montana Fouts. Yes! You saw that there go bam a thing there. We're on the board. Yes. Somebody's on the board. One was her ERA. I put down a bunt and we made it happen. Okay, <laughs> two rounds in, Tom leads one nothing. One nothing. All right. Back to Eric. Give me uh, SC. It means more. Which ones we got left? One. We've got one and three. Give me one. All right, here we go. Which SEC team has the most SEC Pitcher of the Year winners? Which SEC team has the most SEC Pitcher of the Year winners? I'm going to go Alabama. Alabama's correct. Eric yes. is on the board with seven. Boom. Florida has five. Tennessee has three. I think they were all Monica. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, yes. think. Uh, I think. Did, did Ellen win one one year? Oh, she did win one. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Monica won yeah. two. Ellen won one. Yep. There we go. See? All right. So. All right. But now the SEC is off the board. All the it's SEC contagious is off now. the board. Yes. Yeah. Here we go. Here we are go. passing down the baton. To Madison Shipman. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let's do. I guess we'll go. Boomer. We'll go Boomer. Uh, what number do we have left? One. Do we have one? Two, one three, name? and four. Two, three, and four. We'll go four. All right. Four. <laughs> one oh, no. Big Twelve pitcher. In the last nine years, currently ranks in the top ten in Big Twelve history in career ERA. Again, that is entering this season. Who is it? with a minimum of 150 innings pitched. So not just some rando. One Big 12 pitcher in the last nine years currently ranks in the top 10 in Big 12 history in career ERA entering this season. Who is it with a minimum of 150 innings pitched? I have a guess. Do you? Yes. Okay. I have a guess. I feel like that's all I'm going to be throwing. This one's tough. I don't even, I got nothing. That was my guess. What was your guess? Paige Parker. No. Ah. 
The answer is Carrie Eberly at Oklahoma State. Oh. Wow. Yes. That's, yeah. Okay. Woo. Yeah, that's Whoa. a good one. That's rough. That's that category. Holy mackerel. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I Look, we're going to have to reevaluate for the 200th episode. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tom. Yeah, I, I, would like, I was hoping for what school is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Yeah, I can answer <laughs> that one. I, I <laughs> Uh, I'll go the I'll go the OKC uh, secrets for uh, one. Do we have a one? Have we on that one? One is available. Let's do one. Okay. okay. In the 2021 championship series, mm. Florida State beat Oklahoma eight to four in Game One. Name either the winning or losing pitcher. Ooh, Catherine Sandercock. No. No. <laughs> Does anybody know it? Madison, do you know it? I, I'm think, I'm like trying to replay them celebrating in my mind. Um, trying to. I know that did, did it was. Uh, I thought Shannon was, Sale lost. That it was either Sale or Mail or uh, Nicole May lost that game. Was Watson that. in the circle for Florida State? Watson, I think. Watson won. May Watson. lost. Ah, that's right. And yeah. it feels like Nicole May hasn't given up an earned run since. I didn't. I didn't boy. I didn't boycott it, but I wasn't really paying attention that hard after what happened with Alabama. But yeah. that's okay. Yeah. All right. I believe that's the problem. On... You're coming off a loss, so you have yeah. a heartbreaking yeah. one. You know, it's hard to black out. <laughs> a couple more rounds left. Okay. Right now, the scoreboard. Tom and Eric have won. Madison, she's gonna get on the board. Oh, gotta get on the board. Yeah. Yes. The, for the first time ever, a shipment. Is over. <laughs> it's over right I mean, now. You That's don't okay. see this very, very, very right. often. I unplugged the light. Oh, well. okay. Eric, go ahead. What's your category in question? Give me the coaching. Uh, guessing the co- which category that that's called the Who Am I Coaches coach, Edition? Uh, yes. Who Am I Coaches Edition? And then which options do I have left there? Two, three, and four. Let's go four. All right. This head coach has spent his or her entire career as a D1 head coach in one state, but with two different schools over 19 seasons. This head coach has spent his or her entire career as a D1 head coach in one state, but with two different schools over 19 seasons. I'm gonna say Karen Weekly. Do you have a guess? Oh, I think he's right. It's not Karen Weekly. Oh. It's not Karen Weekly. Oh! Right. Because more, because uh, Karen uh, started at Chattanooga in '97, is that right? Yeah, that was my guess. Yeah, mm. yeah, Chattanooga. A little bit longer. Went to Tennessee. That was. You're in the right general geographical area, though. Ship, are you close? Who we get. I'm trying to think of who else would be over there, and it's been that long. Um, I can. Can we get like a teeny hint, like a teeny tiny hint? Okay. Um. Whoo! Oh, Rachel Lawson. <laughs> Rachel Lawson. Oh. That, yes. I was going to say, you were... <laughs> Oh, wow. I forgot about Rachel in the first part because where was oh, she at before see, Kentucky? My mistake. Kentucky. Western. She was at Western. Western. That's oh. right. That's a good one. That's a good one. Good question. See, I went the obvious. Oh, that, that was good. That was a good changeup. I well, I like to mix speeds sometimes. I love that the segment is just great reciting facts. <laughs> Madison, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is which, uh, all right, what numbers do we have for back to packs? Let's uh, let's yeah, let's look at 
back the pack. I'm trying to make sure Tom doesn't see this. I'm not Close looking. your eyes, partner. Okay, we've got a one, two, and four available. Oh, okay. Uh, let's go with two. Okay. Three Pac-12 teams are top five all-time in Women's College World Series wins. UCLA and Arizona are one and two. And then a third Pac-12 team is fifth with 29 wins in Oklahoma City. Who is that team? I want to say Washington. Washington is correct. Yes! Yes! On the board. We got on the board. Got away. Well I'm done. On the board. <laughs> For the record, in the group text, Jen Schroeder missed that one, and she's Miss Pack. So. <laughs> ah, right, ah, right. Mm. All right, Tom. Uh, give me the coach. Pressure's on. Yeah, coaches one for the third one. We're all tied up at one, by the way. Yes. Three-way tie. This is huge. This is the final coach's question. This head coach had an illustrious career in the Pac-12 before coming to the East Coast and finding immediate success with a newfound program. This head coach had an illustrious career in the Pac-12 before coming to the East Coast and finding immediate success with a newfound program. I could rephrase it another way, and his reaction would be exactly the same. <laughs> uh, I know. I think I know what the teams are, but I don't know the coach's name, which is that's not helpful. <laughs> so, I I do not know. Eric, I, is it John Rittman? John Rittman Going is to correct. Clemson, starting to Clemson. Play. Yeah. Oh! Dang it. I knew it was the Clemson coach. I could not think of his name. Yeah, that's Golly. okay. So it appears... You just saw him in the regionals two years ago. You've read it so many times. There's, there's, I, Alabama's played 100-plus games since then. It takes it. There's only so much that can go in here. Dang it. Oh, man. That's upsetting. All right, all right. so here's what's left. We've got OK Boomer, two and three. We've got Back the Pack, one and four. OK Secrets, three and four. So that's it. Who am I? Coach's edition has been closed. We're all tied up at one, one round to go. I do mm -hmm. have the tiebreaker questions at the ready. And we're all we, tied right now. So we're all tied at one. We can go weakest link style, but we'll see if we have to get to that point. Eric, you're up. OKC Secrets 4. All right. OK Secrets 4. In the 2018 Women's College World Series, Florida State famously came out of a loser's bracket to win the national championship. Which SEC team was their first win in OKC at the start of that run? In the 2018 Women's College World Series, Florida State came out of a loser's bracket to win the national championship. Which SEC team was their first win in OKC at the start of that run? Georgia. Eric says Georgia. Georgia is correct. A seven. I was there. I was nice. there. <laughs> Alabama, quite famously, was not in 2018. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly Barnhill. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> right. Addison, All you right. need it. Okay, secrets is closed. Have to have okay. it. Okay. So we've got okay, boomer, and back the pack. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going back to the pack. <laughs> okay. Right. What are my number options? <laughs> going back to the well. We've got one. And we've got four. Woo! Okay, let's go with four. Okay. Which pitcher leads the Pac-12 in career wins in the circle? Which pitcher leads the Pac-12 in career wins in the circle? Like all time, all time? All time, all time. 
That is entering this year, although I don't think anybody's caught her <laughs> two weeks in. She wear a Bruin jersey? No, man. I don't even That's not an official guess, so I'm not I'm no, not I have no idea. Uh spout a name. You guys are you guys are really stumping me on these. All time. I had no idea. I don't even know who to throw out as a guess. I'm mm. not even sure. I, yeah. I would, I would, I would guess Jenny Finch. No. Ah. Um. This is. Uh, is it Nancy Evans? It is not. Uh, the is answer it? is actually one of your colleagues you might see in a little bit on a Zoom, Danielle Laurie at Washington. Danielle, oh, wow. Ouch. That's awkward. I'm so sorry. sorry. Danielle. I don't know Danielle's stats. <laughs> 136 wins. Delo with the Delo. Delo with the Velo. <laughs> okay, Tom. Uh, so it's all up for all up. pressure. Yes. Right now, with a boomer question, or Eric wins with an Oklahoma question Wonderful. and or Big Twelve. What what numbers are available? Two and three. Let's go two. Two. Okay. This is not Oklahoma related. It Ooh. is Big Twelve related. All right. Iowa State. State. No. <laughs> no. Okay. The answer is never Iowa State. Kat <laughs> Osterman played at the University of Texas from 2002 to 03. She did. And 2005 to 06. Right. She holds the top three single season ERAs in Big 12 history. Kat okay. Osterman, very good at softball. She is. Very, very good. Which season was not one of those three? Kat Osterman played at Texas 2002, 2003, 2005, 2006. She holds the top three single season ERAs in Big 12 history. Which season was not one of those three? Hmm. Wow. Uh, I am going to say, coming off of the Olympics, getting back into the swing of things, I'll say 2005. Tom says 2005. The answer at a just horrific 0 0.83 just, ERA. Just huge and massive. Awful. 2002, oh. which means our winner is Eric Lopez. Oh. Freshman Man. year. I'm shocked you didn't go with the freshman year. And when in doubt, go with the freshman uh, year. Uh, Thank you. Well done, Eric. Mm. Well done. All right. There were a couple others I, I kind of wish we had. Okay. Wait, what, are they, what are they? I, ones I, Madison, I want, I want to ask you this one. I know you know this one. Okay. <laughs> this doesn't count. Eric's won. Great job. Right. We'll have a prize for you at some point. Thanks. Madison, I want you. you to hear this one. The two top single season batting averages in SEC history both came in 2010 from two different schools. Name one of the two schools represented. Oh, Tennessee. Yeah? No. What? Raven didn't have a top batting average that year? Mm -mm. Oh, what about um, Moultrie? No. <laughs> Gosh, I'm, just, I'm just out. I'm out. I'm like naming names here. I got nothing. Tom. Um. Oh, Kayla. Yes, Kayla, Kayla bro. Kayla, Kayla really bro. Cool. Yes, yes, Kayla. I was giving you workplace relations redemption. <laughs> oh my gosh! Apparently, yeah. Clearly didn't work. No. Yeah. Uh, was yeah. that the year that Mississippi State had that great catcher? Yes, Chelsea Brownlee was Bramlett the other one. Brown. Yes. Who yeah. was on my team? Which again. Yeah. The travesty great. that I was not voted the well, winner of you know, our. Jen and Amanda have more followers. Uh, yes, obviously. I, yeah, you guys. Yeah, you guys have stumped me thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Eric got us. Yeah, congratulations to Eric, our softball trivia Worth. battle royale question. The, the, the cap is tipped. Yes. Uh, before worthy, we let you worthy go, competition. <laughs> before we let you all go, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the first two weeks of the season that we've seen. Madison, I'll start with you. You were down there in Clearwater, over at Field 8, over at Field 9, moving around, watching all the softball in person. What were your main takeaways from, from that event that we saw this past weekend? Well, the energy was awesome. And, and I think the energy from the teams, from the coaches, from the fans, it, it was really fun to be a part of that. Uh, I always feel like typically in the beginning part of the season, I like it. You typically give the nod to the pitchers that they're going to have a bit more of an advantage. But I really think this year is all about the offense. Um, there were some games that were close games, but really high scoring games. So I would not want to be a pitcher this year. Um, but also there's some freshmen that I think are going to make some waves uh, in across softball this year, some of them coming out the gate, like in the leadoff position, I think of for Mississippi state, Macy Graff is a name that you want to pay attention to. I know Arkansas has got a bunch of freshmen in the circle for them. Uh, Florida state's pitcher McKenna Reed freshman for them. is going to be really good too. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at the bats. I'm looking at the freshmen, but it's going to be a really exciting rest of the season. And Eric, I, I know we saw you a lot over at field one, uh, and field three and you know, <laughs> off in the distance from field eight and nine, that half mile walk, uh, you, you caught some, some fascinating finishes for the UCF Knights in Clearwater. Yeah, I was there the Saturday. They had two walk-off losses, one in 10 innings to Duke at a controversial play in the game where UCF tagged in, scored in the eighth inning, but they called Jazz Williams for leaving too early, which I got a lot of messages that said she didn't. It is what it is. And then the Alabama game, I was sitting literally behind you guys as uh, Bama came back from a 4 nothing game, and that was an awesome game. I mean, I'll defer to you guys. That felt like a regional-type game, like back and forth. The both coach teams – I thought it was a high-level play. Jada Cody hit a home run there, but Alabama, Prangy's playing at a high level. That's the thing that jumped out to me because I went over to 8-9 offenses across the board ahead of the pitchers. I think we had like 88, 89 homers for the week in Clearwater. I mean, yeah, Gray nearly got drilled with one. I mean, left field. We, we almost lost Gray <laughs> in the home run. For, but that was the – that was the thing that worries me going forward here is does the pitching catch up to the offenses or is this a sign of things to come across the board, especially in the SEC, like Madison mentioned, Arkansas is young pitching. I saw them a little bit uh, there. There's some questions there. So uh, I'm really curious, Georgia's questions pitching. I mean, you guys are figuring out other than Montana Fouts, who else is going to establish themselves at Alabama. So I'm, this could be one of those wild years where you could be a lot more walk-offs, one run games, six, five games. I think because of the offense, too, you're going to see a lot more teams beating each other. And it's not just going to be yeah. an easy go into a weekend and sweep, but it's going to be harder to get three consecutive wins in a row against these teams. But I did want to give one shout out to Kristen White. We almost had 89 home runs in that tournament, but she robbed one, went all the way through that center field wall. That catch was unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, you have to find it and watch it. It was unreal. Absolutely. Uh, so something about field three and Alabama outfielders. I don't know. Jenna, John, Jenna Johnson did the same thing in, in 2020 against South Florida. But yeah, I, I was I was very surprised at how well all the offenses did, considering the level of pitching. Uh, something we're talking about other parts, parts of the podcast. But yeah, a lot of people right now are still searching for a number two. They're trying to figure out who that, you know, who who can they trust outside of their um, a starter. Uh, but at, with all the offense that happened, 
the grand, not quite the grand finale because UCF played Mississippi State later, but the grand finale between Alabama and Florida State was a good old fashioned pitcher's duel, and it That's was right. great. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Do we have ratings for that yet, Madison or Eric? Do we know? Not. I have not, I have not uh, seen them yet. So the holidays push things back a day. Otherwise, I would have had it. So uh, trust me, I will. Uh, you will know when I know because that's something I'm monitoring very closely. Pitching staffs too. That's become the big thing in a lot of clear. I couldn't believe how many pitching changes we saw across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was something that's certainly very st- uh, stand out there. And by the way, Madison called that Mississippi State UCF thriller with Tiffany Green. Salute to you, Maddie, on that. Great yeah, work. that was it, it. Was a good game too. It's back and forth, but like the pitching staffs you're talking about, I've had to completely elongate my pitching charts because of how many arms these uh, these coaches are having on their staffs. But you almost have to. You have to have that kind of bullpen mentality, like baseball, as far as being able to bring somebody in off the bench to to work some of these matchups. Yeah, we had a coach's call earlier with a coach, and she just kind of glossed over a picture. I said, "Ah, no, wait, we we do need those notes though, because <laughs> I just have to expect at this point that we're going to see every possible arm at any point in any game." We even see coaches that uh, players that have been around their program that have not pitched before are now all of a sudden pitching this year. I think of somebody like Bree Peck for Virginia Tech. We haven't seen her in the circle throughout her career but now he said hey you know what we're gonna see what she can do in the circle and if you have the arms at your disposal you might as well use i think of somebody like rainy gaffin for tennessee kind of did something similar she was recruited to play outfield and she's throwing us what her version of bp was in a practice and it was this gnarly drop ball and we all looked at each other and said yeah we're gonna need her to pitch some more (laughs) yeah no and it's all true because now that too there's there's madness behind it there's like if you're throwing a hard thrower you're bringing an off-speed pitcher and vice versa it's become baseball-esque a little bit to it and i think this is going to be continue especially in these tournaments in february when i think teams are trying to find out what they have And we're going to be talking about it all year long here on the Out of the Box podcast. You're with phenomenal sports for taking part in the softball trivia battle royale. You'll be back on the show for like regular softball conversation. But until then, thank you to Madison Shipman for hopping on to our champion, Eric Lopez. Phenomenal, Madison. Uh, we'll, We'll see you very soon, I hope, surely, right? Yes, yes, very, very soon. I will see you guys uh, probably in Tuscaloosa very soon, yes. Wonderful. And Eric, we'll be chatting with you soon as well next time we do a podcast of Palooza. Yeah, we got a crossover uh, coming soon. But in the meantime, hey, congrats on the 100 episodes, boys. Uh, Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So that was us rounding third. I I, honestly, I had these vetted. I didn't think they were that hard. I think everybody just kind of picked the wrong one for them. Right. And unfortunately, that led to only four combined correct answers. Eric is our winner. Yes. Two one to one. Tom, you and Madison, T2s. We did. Tied yes. for a second. I can't believe I couldn't remember Clemson's coach's name. John Rittman. John You're never going to forget it now. I got it now. Never. It's much locked like, in. Much like the Columbia River, which I missed the daily double of. <laughs> I will never. And Antigone. I'll never forget those two. I'll never forget John Rittman. John Rittman. Yes. Dadgummit. All right. Are you ready to head home? Sure. Oh boy! Here we go. We've got a mailbag. People have questions for us. And Tom, might it be the greatest off the wall in the history of off the walls? Amazing. Who would have thought Did a I- four and one record would prompt our longest list? <laughs> did Alabama get swept this weekend in in Clearwater? Some would suggest that they did. Wow. All right. We'll talk about it. That's next as we head home here on the 100th episode of the Out of the Box Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the 100th episode.
Box Podcast. It is time to head home. Tom, congratulations on your runner-up finish in the trivia battle royale. Thank you so much. Well done, ish. Yeah. We went through John Rittman. Some of the questions after, and you were like, "Oh, I knew that one. I wish I'd." And yeah, yeah. So that there was a little bit of bad luck in there. Yeah, for everybody. Thank you again to Eric and Madison for being good sports. I hope everybody out there. At least learn something, because yes. I spent many hours looking up all those questions. <laughs> all right. Episode 100. Yes. Before we get to the 100th episode mailbag, Tom, I have a surprise for you. Oh! It, it's a cake! Yes! Happy 100th episode. Yes! We're not going to eat it on the air. Okay. That's not fun. We'll eat it after. But like cookie cake. Yes, cookie favorite. cake. Yes. Well done. Well done. Good, Good job, job Tom. We did it. Yes. We gifted ourselves a cookie cake <laughs> because we like cookie cake. Okay. I, I don't think we need actually to celebrate anything. I'll just eat a cookie cake. In fact, point. new podcast tradition. <laughs> right. We'll have a cookie cake every episode. <laughs> I like it. That's my favorite part of the, of the podcast. Yes, now. of course. I put the call out there and I said, it's time for the 100th episode mailbag. Send us anything, softball, personal, mm-hmm. show questions, all that fun stuff. You know, normally we would start the heading home segment by looking back at what we did, but Tom, we've got so many questions, so we're just going to dive in. Okay. Okay, here we go. Into the mailbag. At Addy Lofton asks, what's a goal or goals that you guys have for the next 100 episodes? For someone to pay us to do this podcast. <laughs> More on that in a bit, by the way. <laughs> that is my number one goal. I would love for sponsors to be involved. I would love, frankly, to just do another 100 episodes. Yes, I'm, I'm all in for that. More on the road stuff, I think, if possible, would be good too. Um, but honestly, like guest-wise, I don't even know. We've brought in most of the media people that we want, I guess. Uh, one goal that I hope for when we get to it eventually is that both Oklahoma and Texas are just as cool with coming on softball media days as all the current SEC head coaches are. Yeah, I, I'm i interested to see how that will go. Let's, We're going to ask. I'll just put it that way. We're going to ask. Yeah. Keith says, congratulations on 100 episodes. The podcast is great, and I look forward to each episode. Thanks to you and Tom for all you guys do. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Keith. Yeah. Very nice. A question. How important do you think the 4-1 and record for Alabama from Clearwater is, as we detailed earlier, Tom, I think it's it's really, really critical for a myriad of reasons, but in particular confidence-wise. You know, it really just helps this team believe that what they are doing behind the scenes, and as we talked about earlier, they're doing a lot behind the scenes, it's proof that it's working. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, you know, looking back, feeling so much better leaving Clearwater than we did in 2020, you know, the record not a whole lot different four and one as opposed to three and two, but it seemed like in 2020 when you played everything, yeah, you had the eight, nothing run rule over Washington, but outside of that, everything seemed like it was such a struggle and it was so, it was so hard to get everything to come together. You know, you played some really tough games in Clearwater this year, but it just felt, it felt smoother. It felt like it, it was did. more, it was more connective. Yep. Uh, so I, I was very, I was very happy with, with the, not just the record of four and one, but just had in general how well Alabama played. Yeah, the also very clear progression of improvement from the Duke game all the way to the Florida State game. I right. thought it was pretty pretty obvious as well. Indeed. Thank you to Keith. Monica. Mon, if you will. Just again, sure. A little peek behind the curtain. 
every night when we're on the road, how do we close out before we go to bed? Well, you know, Friends is on Nick. Of course. Yes. So that is what is that is what is on as we're going to bed. We are really helping the ratings for Nick at night every <laughs> night. Yes. Usually right up until they turn to Mike and Molly at 3 a.m. Eastern. Well, you get you make it that long. Usually I do not. I'm out here just like, hmm, what did Florida State do in 1970? You know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. OK, Monica, congratulations on your 100th episode. I may not watch or listen to many podcasts, but as a sports fan, Roll Tide, I enjoy these particular ones. Of course, that would be out of the box. Sure. My question would be, will everyone on the roster get an opportunity to hit except for the pitchers with the exception of Lauren Esman? My presumption is that means this weekend. Uh, I believe yes, as we talked a little bit about on the broadcast this past weekend, KJ Haney is still in a boot. Um, no update on her timetable. I believe she'll be back this year. I feel fairly confident saying that, but that's a long way to say yes. I do think this weekend and this week against Sanford, you're going to see everybody get a chance at some point in the field or in the box. Yeah, I mean, we saw virtually everyone get that chance in three games on week one, in five games here in week three. Um, I think you'll definitely see. Uh, I don't think you'll necessarily see everybody start a game, but I think you'll see everybody at least, you know, get at least one at bat, if not more. Thank you for the question, Monica, and thank you for the congratulations. At Oscar Lerm on Twitter asks about our way too early top 16 seeds. And I was like, oh boy, that's a loaded question. Ooh. No. Yeah. So we're going to spin it off. Okay. It's our top 16 seed draft. Okay. We're going to pick 10 teams, five each. We can't pick the same team right. that we feel most confident right now will host regionals based on the data that we have. Okay. So right. we're going to do this snake style. I'm going to flip the chapstick to see who goes first. And it's right down the middle mm. because, of course, it is. Tom, you're first. Okay. So you will have the first pick, then I'll have two and three and so on and so forth. All right, I'll take UCLA. Wow. Yeah, going right. out on a limb. Okay, well, I'm going to take Oklahoma off the board. Okay. And I'm going to take Oklahoma State off the board. Okay. Let's uh, let's put Florida State out there. Mm, that was my next pick. Dang it. Yeah. All right. You've got one more. Give me Alabama, too. All right. Bama, fifth off the board. Yeah. I like that. Now we get into the... I think personal vibe check, right? Yeah. Uh, and so because of that, I'm going to take Clemson. I, I think that Clemson might win the ACC. I'm still going to pick Florida State, but I could see the Tigers getting there, and I feel very confident they're going to host. I think they could be a top eight seed. I don't even think that's much of a reach, right. honestly, to yeah. say that. I'm with you. And my next pick, neither of us have taken Florida. Yeah. Can't help but notice. And I still don't really feel... Great about that. I'm going to stick to my guns and go with Tennessee. Okay. Go with my preseason SEC pick. I think the Lady Vols are going to host, whether that's as a top eight seed, I don't know, but I think and feel fairly confident that they will be one of the 16 best teams in the NCAA tournament. Well, give me Florida then. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna definitely going to take them. Yeah, I, I think this kind of this will go a little bit with how well I think the this entire conference has moved up. Give me the Duke Blue Devils. Ooh. I think the ACC is going to give the SEC a run for who has the best overall conference this year. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I think they might even be a little bit more top heavy than the SEC is, which is saying something. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. I know. It's 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 gonna be weird. It that's my vibe after week two. We'll see how you know Tom. When, yeah. Everybody knows yes. week two is when you make <laughs> the for sure statements right. and judgments. Well, the committee should just go ahead and get together and seed now. Because we can we right. I'm going to pick a conference champion. Northwestern. Are they going to win the Big Ten? I think so. That none of the losses have been to bad teams. Now they've been bad losses, right? Yeah, fifteen to two against Clemson, eh? Yeah, not great. But I still think they're going to win the conference. I still think they're going to be a top sixteen seed, but probably on the lower end. Also, uh, shout out to whoever the guy is on one of the forums. I apologize. I, I guess I don't know anybody's real names on these right. forums well, yeah. who cranked out the RPI formula showcasing where teams are based on what they've done. Do you know who number one in the RPI would be right now? Who would that be? Maryland. Wow. Turtle so, up. You don't think they're going to win the no. Big Ten? No. no. I mean, well, they could. I just right. don't think that they're going to be a top 16 seed. I do think that in the first two weeks we have seen that Northwest, it's not just Northwestern and everybody else in the Big Ten. I think there are some more teams that have the chance. I think yeah. Maryland, Maryland's come on strong. Michigan can hit now. Michigan can hit. Uh, I think Nebraska is is a good team. One team we haven't talked about. You are considering ranking them five and zero. Penn State. That's right, my guy James McIntyre. Yes, our guy. Our guy. Right, you know James. Too, yes, we, so we, <laughs> everybody in Alabama does. We have met. Yes, but we are we are brethren. In a fraternal manner. Uh, okay. Yes, we have the handshake and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you people knew I was in a fraternity, but I was. We're, Shocking development. We're yes. revealing things yes. on episode 100. Yeah, James doing great work at Penn State. Penn State mowing through a tournament in Jacksonville this past weekend. I'm going to keep my eye on the Nittany Lions. That's a good pitching staff. Yeah. I am taking Northwestern, though. So here are our teams that we have drafted as our top 16 locks after two weeks. After two weeks. Mark, Tom mark it down. has taken... UCLA, Florida State, Alabama, Florida, and Duke. Gray has taken Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Clemson, Tennessee, and Northwestern. All right. I feel I'm, good about it. I'm pretty happy with those 10 teams. Yeah, me too. Anybody anybody that we didn't say that you would consider throwing on there? I thought about Stanford. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be more than one Pac-12. We only have one Pac-12. There. Yeah. Who's going to be two? You know, Stanford... After struggling a little bit week one, had a really good week two. You know, we'll see about Arizona, what they're able to put together. Oregon's still going to be good. Washington. Washington's probably the other one. Yeah. I'd probably put Washington. Although that lost to McNeese. Surprising. Interesting. Yeah. Also, don't play a random game in Louisiana on a Monday. What are we doing? At noon. (laughs) Yeah, what are you doing, Washington? Oh, boy. Okay. Thank you, Oscar, for the question. At softballlover98. Congrats on 100. Party emoji. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite stadium to travel to for games? So, obviously, we're taking out roads. Right. What would you say is your answer? Wow. Really like Bogle. For the, if we're just talking about the actual stadiums, I know we'll, have, we'll talk about, you know, cities and stuff in a little while. Uh, just for stadiums, I think Bogle in Arkansas is really good. I really like uh, in, all right, Kentucky Stadium a lot. It's nice. Yeah. You haven't uh, said my pick yet. And I like uh, LSU. Okay, Davis Diamond. Oh, and of course Davis Diamond. Yes. Davis Diamond. Sorry, you are That's correct. The I, I, re- I retract everything else. Get me the air yeah. mattress. Let me sleep in our radio booth. There's 100%. plenty of room. It is Davis Diamond. You are correct. Yes. What am I thinking? I don't. I mean, Bogle's great too. Sure. Yeah. Just play all it's, the games at Davis Diamond. Honestly, can can we do Clearwater at Davis Diamond? Let's build oh a dome. God. Yes. 
and figure out a way. A&M has the money. Sure. Just tap into one more oil well God. and put a roof on that thing. 100%. Also from Softball Lover 98, what is the main reason you guys started this podcast? Uh, that, this, that's you. You're the one that started. We just did it to talk about softball because people were like, y'all should start a podcast. And we we're like, okay, fine. Tom, you have access to a radio station. Let's use that. And then we have slowly morphed it into all of these different things on the road shows. Now we do it at my current residence, which right. I will not say on this pod. I don't want you people showing up. Uh, <laughs> because that's going to happen. I mean, you never know. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, honestly. We, we just spent the entire ri ride listening to Crime Junkie. We don't want to do too much. <laughs> right. I, look, we, we heard Devil in the Dorm. I don't oh mean Devil God. in the Doorway no. here at Insert residents Jeez. don't join a cult kids i my recommendation my recommendation i've always said but yeah honestly why did we start it just talk about softball and there wasn't a ton out there when we did you know seven innings had just started in the circle been going for a bit but now we've really seen the softball podcast landscape explode yeah well and it's kind of gone along with the explosion of the sport itself right and you know the more and more people you know are watching it more and more eyes that's how why it's so important you know for tournaments like Clearwater to be on ESPN, uh, a lot of people may not be thinking about softball right now, but then they see all that and they're, oh yeah, we got to remember softball's rolling. Things are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. We are we are never without content. How many times did we do an out of the box office and have to start the show with some kind of breaking softball news? Right. The reason we were doing soft uh, we were doing movies because there wasn't supposed to be anything right. on softball, but then there was. It's the off season. <laughs> No such thing. None. Okay, we've got a pair of questions from Sydney Little John Watkins. Who? She is. Uh, she played at Alabama. You're right. Yes. She might have been good. <laughs> I don't know. Possibly on the wall. Favorite SEC town to visit. This is different, obviously, right. from our favorite stadium because we take into consideration all outside softball activities. All the things happening. Uh, I would say. It is a uh, tie between Athens and Baton Rouge. Really? Okay. Well, I know why you love Baton Rouge. Uh, that is the a play, food. That the food. The food. The Jeez. food. We get. We the activities abound. Yes. In Baton Rouge. Oh my! God. I've never not had a good time in Baton Rouge. Yes. It, phenomenal always. And Athens is just like, like I think Athens has the best batting average of any SEC town for yeah. me. It's just cool. Yeah. Every time we go out, you know, whether we go to a bar, we go to a restaurant, like. We leave really happy. Yeah. And typically in Athens, because of the way the city is laid out, we have to stay close to everything. Mm -hmm. So we do something every day or every night. Right. 2 a.m. calzones. Yeah. There's apparently uh, dance parties that we didn't know were going to happen. Yes. Random raves. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Baton Rouge, I guess the struggle sometimes is like getting to some of the places. Getting. The traffic in Baton Rouge is just ridiculous. But yeah. once you get there, it's really good. But as I, as I've mentioned, uh, the best cheesecake I've ever put in my mouth was in Athens, the Oreo cheesecake at the mm. last resort. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to say anything. Cause that again, might come up a little bit yes. later. Okay. All right. Also shout out to college station, another place where we yeah. rarely have a bad time. Oh my gosh. And then I'm looking forward to Fayetteville this year with the SEC tournament. Sydney also asks, what position would you want to play if you were on the field right now? I was a first baseman. Okay. No, I'll say first base. Okay. I could pitch, maybe. I could I could throw a strike. Wow. You want to have it all on you? No, put me in right field. <laughs> but I could, like, come in to throw one pitch one and pitch. then ditch out. Yes. 
one more time. You can only do that with you know one pitch. Put me and then bring in Megan Framer. <laughs> Kelly Eye's like no, no, <laughs> Megan, no. come on. Never mind. You know what I want to do? I mentioned this to you in the hotel. I want somebody out there to create a graphic with Megan Faramo, Megan the Machine, as we call her, because when she turns it on, good God, you're not touching her. Right. But like, in correlation with the movie Megan that just came out. Yes. That's what I want. UCLA, get on that. I mean, you got all the movie people out there. Do it. Let's let's hit up let's hit up Jen and tell her to talk to I believe his name is Vinny, their SID. Let's make that happen. Okay. All okay. Right. Come we're, on, bro. We're here to help everyone. Yes. I want Megan, except you can like make the A a K or something for strike. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh yeah. Somebody get creative. Have the three as in three hits allowed. You're right. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. That'd be fun. Yeah. There we go. Daryl, we know about your favorite movies, but what about TV shows? What are you watching? What do you watch in your spare time? So we referenced Friends. Tom, is this where we talk about The Last of Us? Oh, we can, even though I'm still... You're still a little... I've not seen the episodes. new Sunday episode. Yeah. I don't know if people know this. We were busy. A little busy, right. Last of Us has been awesome. Well, I I've... really enjoyed Last of Us. Uh, I never played the video game, so I don't know what's going to happen. Same. So that's fine. Or as far as comedies, you know, we talked about Friends. I've really... I never watched it when it was on originally, but going back and, and watching them... Really like the Big Bang Theory. Okay. Um, that's another one that you can just put on to go to sleep with. Yeah. All-time favorite comedy is probably Wings. Oh, we've discussed this a little bit. Love it was briefly Wings. back on Netflix, wasn't it? No, it's it's on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, okay. It's on Paramount Plus, but it doesn't have every episode, which is kind of weird. Just It skips episodes randomly. How does that happen? I don't know. But get on that Paramount Plus, because I want to see some of these episodes. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? Come on. What about like uh, the longer stuff? I mean, Last of Us is obviously not a comedy. No. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon was outstanding. I think what some of the other... What about you? Okay. My favorite season of television is season one of Bloodline. I watch it once a year. It's a wow. tradition. My guy Kyle Chandler It's my boy. I love The Good Place. I have a lot of fun memories watching Parks and Rec and, and Grace and Frankie and Friends is always on when I'm working. But I, I really want to shout out something that I've been watching a lot late at night as I do stats on the laptop and just have it up. Uh, there, there's been a lot of chatter about uh, an HBO show about Scooby-Doo characters that's bad. Oh, gosh. And I want to make sure that amidst all of that, people don't forget about the one that's really, really good from Cartoon Network called Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Came out about a decade ago. This is a two-season serialized story with character development, all of the heart and humor of Scooby-Doo, you have dramatic, spoiler alert, character deaths. I mean, there like there are some truly good character beats with the gang, and they do a great job building the supporting cast. You've got a great voice cast. The animation is fun. Some of the mysteries are really great. Uh, I, in particular, love Hebediah Grimm, the very tall Thanksgiving man, an excellent joke with Velma in that episode. Just just really quality all the way around. And hmm. it's 52 episodes and you can just crank through. It's okay. awesome. Huh. So that Good. Yeah, watch that. Don't watch yeah, Velma. Everybody's talking about Velma. I'm like, I hope this leads more people to find Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated because they're like, eh, and they just go down. Yeah. And it's usually right there. It's a very good show. Okay. I've watched it through like five times. It's really great. Another one I've I've been watching like virtually every different series of Star Trek. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Well, which one is coming out soon? Uh, Picard just dropped like okay. this week. The last ep- the last season of it. Picard. Picard. Which I, I my favorite is the next generation. Yeah. I think that was the best overall. Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine is really good. Uh, but Captain Picard is probably the best overall character of all of Star Trek, in my opinion. Mm. That gets a lot of the that's gonna be one of the more controversial statements I've probably said in the Trekkie universe because there's so many people that are still... I was about to say, have people heard what you said about Oklahoma in the past? No, that's true. No, but you know, people are there's a there's still the big divide between the you know Captain Kirk people and the Captain Captain Picard people. Mm. Not that anything against uh, Captain Kirk, but I think the next generation was the best overall episode, the best overall season. A couple others I want to shout out just to make sure I don't forget any. How can I not mention Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet doing all of the things? A lot of what I mentioned is one season, too. So if you want to watch yeah. it, you can knock that out in like three days. And a, a, a series that I like that you will not be able to do that with because there's been like almost 40 seasons of it now, The Simpsons. Mm, another late night yes. television watch sometimes. Surely. Okay, so that's TV. Maybe we'll do a TV something at some point. I don't know. Like, The Last of Us Episode 3, you know, we've talked a lot about that episode on our drive to Clearwater. We have the group text with Nathan Sheehan, who has played the game. That was one of those television events that literally everybody I saw on Twitter was talking about. Yeah. That would have been a fun pod, but we're in softball season now, so sorry. It was not what you were expecting. No. That's for sure. Let me tell you, Ron Swanson. It can can play drama. Did not know you had that pitch, sir. Morgan, you've said often on the pod that you don't get paid to do it. Yes, I today. <laughs> Ten minutes ago, actually. <laughs> Besides the hundreds of people who really enjoy it, raised hand emoji. Thank you, Morgan. Maybe dozens, but okay. What is the staying power for you two? What is your why? Oh, that's nice. What do you say, Tom? Greatest tells me to come to the come to the studio. <laughs> No, I think it's just, you know, an opportunity to continue to to help in our small way grow the sport and, you know, talk about it because, you know, these these athletes and these coaches and everybody involved, you know, they work, this is their lives. They work so hard to uh, to put out there and, and uh, you know, we're just here to help cover it. Totally agree. I think that softball deserves a bigger spotlight for so many reasons. A, like once you're in it, it you can't look away. Yeah. As we talked about, Something is happening every day, every day, even in the off season. There's always something to talk about. The stories are fascinating. I mean, how many, you know, FGCL players have we discussed? Like a Taylor Gilmore who had surgery and had gone into coaching and then finds out she has one more year of eligibility. Fresno State calls her. And then this past week, she's all tournament team. Yes. It's crazy. Pitching every game. Yes. So stuff like that, getting to tell those stories, having some fun, laughing with Tom, it, it, it makes it great, and the fact that we have been accepted by so many people across the softball world makes it even better. And, there, you know, there's only so much we can get into during a regular broadcast of a softball game uh, because we actually have to, you know, broadcast a softball game. That's right. So, so you know, this is an opportunity for us to kind of get into some of those stuff that we haven't don't have time for. Brooke, how did both of you get involved in the program? Is it time for the origin story, Tom? Oh, wow. Should we tell how this came to be, the duo? Sure. Okay, go ahead. You're you're the senior right, of yes. us two, nine years. Yeah, so basically uh, was 
just finished finishing up the graduate program at Alabama uh, sport management and found out that the play-by-play job was coming available for Alabama softball. So I, I had this cool little capstone project that I had just finished that all the stuff I'd done uh, in athletics beforehand uh, and ran into Tom Roberts, who was in his last year at the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And I was the last hire from Tom Roberts at, at CTSN. And just the timing just kind of fell in where I was able to do it. And, and they allowed me to do so. So I was, I was like, yes, I'm in. Uh, and it's been it's been amazing. It, I love that. Yeah, perfect. To, and the new guys kept you around too. Yeah, yeah, the new guy. Yeah, <laughs> shout the, out Jim Carabin. Jim Carabin seems to enjoy it too, so we appreciate it. But, I think so. Yeah, and then uh, I actually I can't remember where we were coming from, but we were on a plane and we landed. And when we landed, when I turned my phone back on, I got a text, and it was from Jim. Uh, this is a couple of years in, and he said, "Hey, we got this other guy that that we may be moving in to." do some softball with you. What do you think? And so this will turn this over. What, how Greg got in. Yes. So I think I've said this on this podcast. I'm from the state of Alabama, but I went to high school in Virginia. So I called a bunch of games up there and my freshman year of college, I go back to call our big high school football rivalry game. Like we've played this team for over a hundred years and I do the game walking up the hill to my car and one of the players is walking up with his dad and they say, Oh, you know, we love listening to you when you were a student, all this nice stuff. I'm like, Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. Like I love coming back. And, um, the father, uh, I don't want to say any names, just, I don't want to reveal all the info, <laughs> sure, but, right, but yeah. the father says, you know, Hey, I, I have a position at Learfield. Do you want to do stuff with us? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. yes, absolutely. Right. So, I sent him some clips and he sent it to somebody else at Learfield who sent it to Jim Carabin. So he said, well, women's basketball just finished. Softball's going. Do you want to hop in with softball? I said, absolutely. He said, okay, let's pinpoint the LSU series. You can sit with Tom Canterbury. I said, whoo! (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) You can sit with Tom Canterbury for the first two games and do the third game. So if I recall, we met at Starbucks mm-hmm. before that first weekend. I sat game one with you and Demi Turner, who was back in the back of the room because she had to be somewhere dark because yes. she was concussed. Right. And then game three, I hopped on. I have read my notes from that first game. Had no idea what I was typing or writing or talking about. They're very rudimentary when yep, talking right. about Allie Wall Jasper, but I guess things went well enough because here we are year seven together in the booth and uh, no end in sight to all the no. haters. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, we apologize, but not really. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. That's our villain. I mean, hero origin stories. <laughs> Brooke also asked top five moments on and off the field. No, I don't think we can do, we off can't the do field. a top five. We well, can't do off the field period. <laughs> does does the yeah. word lava flow mean anything? To oh you? my gosh. There are some jokes that have to stay Bama We can't we can't put them all on the pot. I mean, the lava flow reference, yes, what that means. Yeah. That's for us. Sure. But top moments on the field, I mean, gosh, Caroline Hardy walk off winning the SEC in nineteen, the SC tournament in twenty one. I Yeah, I mean my first year was Mercer Runyon's home run, uh, to send Alabama over Oklahoma. Um perfect game. Yeah. Perfect game against UCLA by Montana Fouts at the World Series is probably number one. Yeah. 
it's amazing like when when you follow a team like Alabama and <laughs> that it's much easier I will say to be the broadcaster for a team like Alabama that has so many moments right that you're that you're able to do you just try not to screw it up really because I mean that they, they do they do it all on the field for you and you just try to, to find a way not to bumble all over yourself Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but we'll see what happens. We, we do our best yeah, we with the capabilities that yes. we have. Sometimes we do it from a left field perch on our cell phone. <laughs> hey, finally, a question from our friend, SID extraordinaire, Nathan Sheehan. Woo! He will appear once again on this pod at some point this year. For Nate's Thirsty. Nate's Thirsty. Yes. But his question is not about thirst. It's about hunger. A different feeling. <laughs> Your favorite Tom's Hungry meal of all time, and what school would you most like to visit for a future Tom's Hungry segment? Ooh, wow! It's your segment, so you're first. Uh, probably favorite overall meal, and the five year anniversary of it just popped up in my Facebook memories would be the steak at Sully's. Yeah, in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We waited almost two hours for it, and would do it again right now. Best steak I've ever had. To go along with, you know, if we could combine Sully's and Last Resort into one place. Oh, the last Sully's. <laughs> the last Sully's. Coming to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I'm there because, again, best best cheesecake ever there. Future, I'm really excited for Austin. Like, we're, we're going. You don't have to wait long. No, yeah. We're going there in a couple of weeks because uh, I've never been and it's Texas and it's going to be really good. Yeah, and it's Texas with like a lot of flair from many other places as well. So we've yeah. got tons of options. And it's South by Southwest weekend. That's right. I'm sure we'll walk on some booth where they've got yeah. random stuff available. Do you want to go to a Dungeons and Dragons premiere? Like, is it like the actual? Yes. This is. It is premiering at South by everything. Southwest. I played Dungeons and Dragons a little bit as a kid. Chris Pine, you listening? Get us some tickets. Yes. I do want to see Super Mario Brothers when that happens, too. Oh, see, so much that we're going to do. Yes. You've got uh, Cocaine Bear coming up. Cocaine Bear, I mean, most important. We still all. haven't seen Quantumania, by the way, so no right. I haven't. You haven't, no, right? No. Okay. I was about to say, would be impressed <laughs> if you'd seen it. When have I had time? <laughs> what about you? What's your favorite uh, it's meal? It's Resort. I mean, the general cheese, overall meal. Yeah, the, the, the cheesecake, um, the steak that I had the asparagus all of it the drinks were great i had a couple old fashions i very vividly remember uh taking part in the entire meal i loved our, our sitting area where we were kind of in a little mini greenhouse i loved who i had the meal with you and nate yeah. and the whole get like just the yeah. last resort was a ton of fun and it was it was it was in the time post-covid where things were opened up but we were still distancing so we were literally outside in a mini greenhouse. Everybody had, yeah. had their own mini greenhouses. Not sure if it made any effect on <laughs> on whether or not anyone got sick, but that's what we did. If but one of us fun. had it, we were all going to get it. We so were all in the greenhouse. We again. were all trapped in the, uh, literally the greenhouse effect. <laughs> uh, Last resort would be my pick. Okay. And I, honorable mentions to Duke. Duke's out at uh, in Hawaii. Oh, uh, yeah. That was outstanding. You still think about that pineapple, don't you? Just the best. Yeah. Oh, man. What school would I most like to visit for a future Tom's Hungry segment? I'll tell you what, I've heard a lot of good about Norman um, from from people that are there. Plank gave us like 12 things. He did, yeah. To, to eat. But, you know, I would like, if, if we ever possibly had a chance to do something, 
um, like this. If we if we had an opportunity to go up to the Northeast, you know, somewhere like a Boston College or something like that, yeah. and get some of that Northeastern seafood, mm. everybody here knows my affinity for all things crab and lobster. Oh, yeah. If it's on the menu, I will eat it. Crab will be mentioned in an upcoming Tom's Hungry later on in the show. Ooh, yes. When we go to Huntington, that'll be the farthest northeast I'll have ever, I've ever been in the comp, in the country. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never okay. been up to the New England area. Well, I'm with you. I would like to do that. Let's do it. Let's just go. <laughs> Road trip to Boston for no reason. Here we go. <laughs> Stewie and Brian did it. Why can't we? <laughs> well, they were starting Rhode Island. They did. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, that's the mailbag. Good Thank stuff. you. Thank you, guys. Wow, I feel so warm and fuzzy, Tom. Oh, great. Aren't you excited? What could possibly go wrong? Oh, play the drop. It's time for Off the Wall. Stop complaining when we win. You know, differentiating between facts and opinions, people. I've seen enough to know that I've seen too much. The conspiracy heard round the Facebook. Get your tinfoil hats out. Let people enjoy things. First off, red pen, please. Please. I can't believe we're talking about it. It's so asinine. It's like I, I, I had a thesaurus out looking up ways to describe dumbassery. Don't send novels to the coaching staff. Farcical. Absolutely ridiculous. Yes, it's time. You've been waiting. I've honestly been waiting. Since Sunday night, I was like, I'm going to just stunt on these people. It's time for Off the Wall. Yeah. Who's going first? Well, you have a lot more specific ones, so I'm just going to talk in general. Because you would have thought that Duke was some just rinky-dink team that Alabama should have run-ruled. Never done a thing. Never, not any good at all. Not in every top 25 that there is, even extra innings. Um (laughs) But, like, we heard it in the drop just now, but I'm complaining about people complaining after Alabama wins a game. Alabama, it has never been worse, I don't think, in the time that we've done the out-of-the-box, or we've done the -the off-the-wall segment, about people complaining after a a win than after the Duke game. I don't care if we'd won, you know, 10 to nothing or 5 to 4 like we did. You just beat a top 20 team in Clearwater. You should be happy. But no. Not the case. And I just, I just don't understand. And everybody having, uh, which I've talked about so much before, people having their preconceived things they're going to complain about, and then it doesn't happen in the game, and then they still complain about it. I, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. It, which I'm sure you're about to touch on right now with some of your individual comments. Do you have any others that you want to dive into? or that, that's, that's the main one. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I, I I dipped back even right after we posted. We had people commenting stuff, and these are some of my favorites. <laughs> I selected them mainly because they're like incorrect, You're right? And or comments made after games when Alabama won. Here's one: wasn't able to see the games last weekend. However, it seems hitting or lack thereof is an unresolved issue. That was after week one. I didn't see the games. But here's my analysis of the games I didn't see. Tom, I have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania yet, but here is my 10-page review on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. <laughs> what? 
I just thought, I don't understand having that mindset of I just need to complain about something. No. Even, even when I didn't see it. Also, it wasn't. Right. <laughs> that, no, hitting was, the hitting was awesome. Hitting was not the issue. Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah. Right. We All right. More. So the rankings are posted. Alabama still in the rankings after week one. Nuts. Yeah. Nuts. So. Yes. So is Florida State, who lost to Checks Notes Longwood. Yeah. And you know what? Both of our losses got way worse yes. after week two. Yes, they did. Yes, but these did. are the rankings after week one. A comment. Will they be ranked after week number two? Yes. Yeah. Not only are they, but they would have been. Barring 0-5, Alabama yes. was going to be ranked after Clearwater because of their positioning and because of how softball polls work. We don't just throw people out for losing games. Otherwise, Northwestern would have plummeted out. So would have, so would Georgia. Mm-hmm. But we look at the overall body of work and we put an emphasis on the games that you do win without taking a ton off of the games that you do lose. At least that's the way I do it. And based on studying these polls for many years, that's kind of the way a lot of the voters do it. Well, it's it's having a football mentality because if in football you lose yeah. two weeks in a row, you probably do fall out of top 25. Sure. Not, not the case when you play 10 games in two weeks. Yeah, no. Yeah, unless you go like one one and nine, probably not going to fall out. Yeah, Liberty might still be getting a vote. I don't know. They had votes last week. Or Liberty. Oh, man. Okay, still can't hit. This is after the Duke game. Still can't hit. Six hits by four players. Other five went over. That was copied and pasted on two posts. I'm going to read that one more time. Still can't hit. Six hits by four players. Okay, so four players had hits, right, so but they so still they, can't hit. But right. obviously, people can. Right. I don't help and, me. And scored five runs. Yes. Which is good. That's that's a lot. That that's a lot for uh, softball. Yeah, that doesn't make it. And also, like you're you're watching a game where if you are successful four out of ten times, you're an all American. That's right. So there's going to be some games where you're going to go over. That's how that works. That's, you know, baseball, softball, you know, if you, if you get six hits, rarely is it six different people with one hit. And had that been the case, you would have been complaining, why do these people only get one hit? That's right. Ashley Prangy, one for three? What are right. we doing? Yes. Which, again, you're welcome for helping to break Ashley Prangy's quote-unquote slump in the, in the Florida State game. We're really good at this. <laughs> By the way, same guy later on as people were, you know pointing out the fallacy of can't hit which i do appreciate that we're getting yeah. more and more gatekeepers like what uh chris plank from oklahoma was talking about last week that's right that there are people that are like come on guys his response i've been alabama fan since 1972 irrelevant two points one great all right the program started 25 years after that so yeah 72 doesn't matter and two as i've often said congrats on being old that doesn't make you right yes correct no power hitter again this year. This was posted after the Duke game, after a game where Ashley Prangy hit a home run. Mm. The next day, she hit two of them. Right. How did Alabama beat Florida State, Tom? Uh, two home runs. Incorrect is this comment, not yours. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. I was, yes. like, I, I was pretty, I was no, pretty we sure. We were there, yes. Okay, I was pretty sure. No, this right. guy, wrong. <laughs> Just because nobody's allowing this year, and I don't think they will, doesn't right. mean there aren't power hitters on this team. Exactly. And to say that in a game literally right after a home run was hit 
is ludicrous. Right, 100%. Okay, after the Duke game, a lot of people were going after Montana Fouts. Now, ludicrous because of the performance that would come later in the week, but some of these comments were really interesting. I know you have thoughts on the first one. Good win, but Fouts hasn't been the same pitcher since NIL started. Dumbassery. <laughs> Here it is at its level. One, Montana's not the only one that is reaping the benefits of NIL. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot. Most, most people. Most, most college athletes and most people on the Alabama softball team are getting some NIL. I would assume Montana probably has the most. But just like any, you know, if you look at the the NFL, the quarterback probably gets more, you know, a higher salary than anybody else. Right. You know, that's, you know, that's the way that goes. I have seen zero issue with anybody else regarding NIL toward Montana or Montana going the She is the exact same person she was that when she stepped on campus in 2019. Yes. It's a stupid argument. It's incorrect. And to make that argument when you have no basis for it just you have no inside information you're just saying you just assume it's just wrong a total guess total that is incorrect yes here's another one this is after again duke a win yes we won the game think it's time for montana to take up coaching or broadcasting (laughs) you know what who who would be upset about that if that was the case who tom team usa ah yes because Montana Fouts is going to lead the United States to a gold medal. Tana, Megan the Machine, Kelly Maxwell, and you know what? Let's throw Jordy Ball in yeah. there. Good Give l- me those four. Good luck, Japan, and anybody else on that. <laughs> so, yeah, don't think that Montana is going to be retiring anytime soon. No. Also, two days later, right? she beat top 10 Florida State. Exactly. With a- and had one bad inning against UCLA. Right. Yeah, Montana, I don't think it's time. No. When you're done, if you want to hop in the booth, yeah. More than welcome. By all means. Come on in. Please don't do it until after July. (laughs) Right. Uh, A frequent off the wall, by the way, blocked me on Facebook. Oh. So that I can't see his stuff. So, yay. Um, Okay. uh, But. Well, he's saying more dumb stuff. uh, Oh, I know. I have have resources to still see him. All right. This is just a warning. If you don't like that I'm shouting you out and you you block me. Stop being off. Gray Robertson is my name. And you block me. I'm still going to see the comments because I have access to the person who runs the Alabama Facebook page. He literally sees all the comments. Nathan Sheehan shows us all of it. Every single one. Somewhere he's laughing. You think you're stopping me? Right. You're just making me stronger. Oh. Villain origin story. (laughs) Okay. Fast start. This is again after Duke. <laughs> this might be the worst. It didn't look that way to me. Either way, congrats and roll tide. <laughs> this is after Alabama in a game against Duke takes a 5 nothing lead and chases Duke's starter in the second inning. Tom, they take a 3 nothing lead in the first inning. I had forgotten about this one. The first three batters scored. It's literally impossible to have a faster start than what Alabama had. And had a 5 nothing lead after two innings. That's a pretty fast start. I'll take that any day. Any game, give Alabama two, a 5 nothing lead after two. I'm, I'm here for it. I just, I want to thank this guy <laughs> for creating a new inside joke. What was it? Baseball was up like 9-1 in the second. I was like, wow, good fast start. <laughs> I wonder if it's fast enough. <laughs> yes, I will always be in there. <laughs> Okay, uh, again, I have to lower expectations for this year's team. Again, after a Duke win. Right. Struggling against teams like Duke and Lehigh. But the reason this is in here 
is because of the spelling of Lehigh. L-E-G-H-I-E. Leghe? Incorrect. And also this ties in to my previous statement. Duke's dang good. Duke is a super regional team last year. Right. I, I picked them on the draft just now. Just now. You're right. Belief in Duke. Right. So just because they're not a national champion in football doesn't mean they're not good in other sports. Mm. Uh-oh, Tom. Get the fog mentality out of here. We have a full-ass soliloquy about Montana and change-ups and not throwing any, which, by the way, this was after the UCLA game where I literally detailed the pitch sequence where she used a change-up to set up some of the other stuff. It was really great. Finished it with her first season. Three points was enough to get Bama the win, not so much anymore. Ah, man. Once you use points, yeah. your, your entire soliloquy is eliminated. Also, she does have a changeup, and she does use it. And she uses other off-speed pitches as well. As we saw against Florida State specifically, she used the drop ball more to get swings and misses than she did the rise ball. Yeah, she did. And getting those ground ball, it was great. Yeah. Three hits won't be enough to win. That was after uh, Florida State. It literally was. Literally was. Yeah. During UCF, this is getting bad. Might lose 25 games. That was in the middle wow. of UCF. Just wait until the game's over before. I mean, if you're going right. to comment stuff negative, we literally watched comebacks in the past. Wait till the game's over. Yeah. Then lose your mind. Yeah. Because now he looked like an idiot. I went back and found a couple more after UCLA. These are just ones that are dead wrong. Hitting has been in the dumps for a long time. Soliloquy, nonsense, blah, blah, blah. Five runs will just about beat Alabama in most games. Promptly the next day, Alabama beats UCF 6-5. 6-5, correct. So... And hitting has been in the dumps for a long time. No. Uh, after statistically the best power hitter in Alabama softball history graduates from the program in Bailey and Bill. Yeah, our conference play offenses were really good in 19 and 21 yeah. overall as well. I mean, ugh. I think, I, I do think that people, as I was, disappointed in the way that the season ended last year and sure. just assumed that that was a indictment and something about it was happened for the past five ten years yeah that's not which is incorrect it's not correct we it, again it four, was, top was, four yeah two years in a row it was a bad month as i've said no, numerous times even in 2017 and 2018 some of the most frustrating seasons in alabama softball recent memory right as i hopped in right alabama was a game away from the world series both of those years Finally, this is the last one, I swear. Okay. This season, Bama will drop out of a top 25 for the first time in a long time. No. What are you basing that on? It's not going to happen. No. It's not. I would say as a voter, that's not going to happen. Like, I see how everybody else is voting. I actually had Alabama lower than most everybody else hmm. for, for the poll in which I vote. I don't vote in a poll. I but... mean, Alabama, it would, be, it would take a lot for Alabama to drop out of the poll, not just because it's Alabama, but also just because like that doesn't happen in softball. When you get the benefit of the doubt, you have to really screw up right. to lose that. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. No, that's off the wall. <sighs> Thank you. A hundred episodes, Tom, and I don't think we've ever had a longer off the wall. <laughs> After Alabama goes four and one in Clearwater. Four and one. I just old takes exposed so many of you. All of you aren't getting tickets from the back doorway because I put your name on the list. 
You say dumb crap, you deal with the consequences. <sighs> okay. I'm so depressed, Tom. There's only one thing that could raise my spirits. Mm. How about a, a flamenco dancing demonstration? Is Abby Dukes you're going to get on stage? I certainly hope so. It's time for Tom's Hungry. Yes. Tom, take it away. The bar for Tom's Hungry has been set incredibly high for the 2023 season because we went to the Columbia. Oh, boy. I had not heard of the Columbia. I didn't know it was a thing. Should have, because wow. apparently it's like right there yeah. at the FGCL. Yes. And had no clue. We will make a trick. Yes. So the Columbia is the place in Tampa. It is a large, it's like a whole block worth of worth of restaurant. And it's old. It's been there since 1905. It very historical. So many famous people have been there. There's you know pictures of them all over the place. And it had some tremendous food. Like they started off like bringing us around just random appetizers. Wasn't expecting it. Wasn't expecting us. Here, would you like a bacon wrap scallop? Yes, I would. And I did. And I did many times. Yes, and they kept coming, and it was wonderful. Uh, so they had that. They had a, like a the chicken coquette, coquette is the word you're looking for. Yes, with hot sauce, uh, spinach artichoke empanadas. This is the primer. This is. Yes. The amuse bouche. They are warming us up. Yes. Literally and figuratively. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Uh, and then the main course, the Spanish chicken, pollo. Manchego. Manchego, yes. Yes. Uh, I, I am not the Spanish person in <laughs> in my family. The wife is the Spanish teacher. They have that. Um, incredibly good uh, yellow rice and brown beans. Yes. Uh, and then the salad 1905, which is what most people talk about and rightfully so because it was a tremendous salad like a kind of italianish type salad but it had ham and cheese and mm -hmm. tomatoes and it had olives which i got really refreshing as dressing far, as well i got the olives as far away from me as possible but everything else was yeah. really really good that was tremendous uh and then the dulce leche chocolate cake yeah. Oh. I'm sure the flan was great. I'm sure it was, we didn't yes. give a damn. <laughs> give like, me the dolce de leche. Yes. Por favor. Uh, <laughs> por favor, please. Uh it was so good. The Poya Manchego. I can't properly describe was... what was going on on top of it. There were some sun-dried tomatoes. There was like Cheese. a a cheesy sauce. Yeah. That somehow when you took it like it's only on the top yeah but somehow when you take a bite it's like it's coating the entire thing yeah it was the craziest flavor i've ever had yes it was delicious so good yeah so i, I the columbia is currently on the number one podium and will be a very tough out for somebody austin we mm. have thrown the hammer down <laughs> yes do what you can uh, but definitely also a good shout out to uh, Goody Goody, which yes. was where we went for a, a good breakfast. I got the hangover, which was, I got an extra eggs. So it was three fried eggs on top of biscuits and gravy. There was cheese in there and also uh, home style fries. Uh, outstanding. Very I got spot. multiple things. I got the world's biggest pancake. It was a very large pancake. How big was this pancake, Tom? Uh, it was... Half the desk? A third of the desk. <laughs> it was a, a pretty big plate, and it was hanging over the sides of the plate. Yes. It, it was really good. Bigger than your head. And then, yeah, and then you also got a... Breakfast sandwich. Breakfast sandwich. Yeah, sausage, egg, and cheese. Mm -hmm. Just Yeah, I couldn't eat it all, pancake-wise, but I ate the whole sandwich, and then <laughs> I slept. 
Yes. Um, and then Bahama Breeze as well was kind of the last big yeah place we went to. Bahama Breeze was very good. Uh, the one thing that happened at Bahama Breeze, which is taking it down just a notch, sure, was uh, I got it. I just got a bacon cheeseburger. Really good. I was very happy with the burger, but they they brought me mustard ketchup and what they said was mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. And then after I had put it on the on the on the burger and, and ate a, a bite or two and, and kind of was a little questioning and said, "Oh wait, we gave you sour cream instead of mayonnaise, so here's mayonnaise." Sour cream on a burger, not the worst thing ever. It actually was not bad, but not what I was expecting. You're on that island from in this yeah. room. Okay, I'll I'll let you do you're not, you. You're not a sour cream guy. No, in general, no, I wouldn't put it on a burger. No, for sure, I wouldn't have. And I realized it was sour cream. I swiped right on the crab dip at the Bahama Breeze. You had a bite of it. It was very good. Yes. Uh, Which, by the way, yes, I shared food. I know. Um, Really good. I ate it very quickly. We had to do some musical chairs situating because it was packed. Yeah. But phenomenal. Great drinks as well. Had Mm -hmm. something. I don't even know what it was. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea, but it was good. I had two. Yeah, it was great. And And as always, when we go anywhere in Florida, shout out to Wawa. Of course. Yes. Wish we had them here. Very helpful in many ways. Breakfast, dinner. Mm. Other things. Other things. Yes. Quick trips. Whatever we need. Whatever, whatever is Thank all, you, Wawa. It's all there, including a ham and cheese and egg uh, quesadilla, which I'd never had, and it was very good. Their breakfast is really good. Yeah. Very, very good for traveling. I think that's it. Okay. But Colombia is definitely, good start. definitely on the podium. Yes. I. It, yeah. I don't see any way it doesn't finish in the top three. How... If it doesn't, I am very much looking forward to everyone else trying. Oh my gosh. I mean, Knoxville, Starkville, Oxford, Columbia. Can Columbia knock off the Columbia? Who knows? Ooh. I mean, wordplay. Yes, there's some. I mean, Austin, we don't, I mean, we don't even know it's in Austin. We know Little Dewey's is in Starkville. We know Bucci's in, is in Columbia. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of contenders. Yeah. But Columbia's on top of the mountain right now. Thank you to the Stevens family as well for making all of that happen. Jordan Stevens and company. Yes. What a fun family. They're really good. Yes. All of them. Just great people. (laughs) Big fans. I told them they get a pod shout out and they have because the Columbia is awesome. Yes. Dinner and a show. It was was great. Literally not a joke. Yes. A full show. I I shazammed one of the songs and I've listened to it already today. Wow. They did not do a flamenco dance to... Kentucky Gold, but maybe next, next time. time. Next time. That's Tom's Hungry, and that is the 100th episode of the Out of the Box podcast. Cookie cake incoming. Yes. May I just say, didn't think we would do this. Really happy we have for the last five years and 100 episodes, everything from softball to movies to food to traveling around this great country. It's all been phenomenal. Here's yeah. the next 100. Let's do it again. Might as well. Yeah. We're hopefully going to be here. We're here. Someone might pay us at some point. We are open to sponsorships. <laughs> NIL deals are available. I mean, honestly, if restaurants want to start reaching out to us, like we, you want to be the Columbia? Let us know. Let's set it up. At this point. I mean. That's what happened with Good Bull. That's right. RIP. Yes. Good Bull. Like that was a great relationship that we had. Yeah. I miss it. Mm, we have had we have lost some over the last 100 but we remain strong yes (laughs) we got games this weekend tom we're separate on wednesday for the midweek i'll be on tv with kaylee tao you'll be on the radio but this weekend the multi-platform excellence 
occurs as our radio feed is used on SEC Network Plus. Watch that through the app. But Tom, if you also want to listen to our regular audio, not through a phone, how do the people find us? You can do that over the airwaves in Tuscaloosa on 97.5 FM. We're always on 10 minutes before first pitch on the schedule. So uh, for instance, uh, tomorrow for, as we're recording, for Alabama and Samford, it'll be a six o'clock first pitch where we're on the air at 5.50 on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. So that's available 97.5 FM in Tuscaloosa, nick975.com, as well as the MeTV 975 app. Just push the button. Yep. You can hear us. And for the stream this weekend, press yeah. the button. Just press You'll the button. You'll hear the same thing. Exactly. Hear and see it. And then uh, I believe we'll also have at least one day of booth cam this weekend. Oh, great. Yeah. How? They're, That's always fun. Are people aware of what's happening in Tuscaloosa this weekend? There's Everybody is here. There's a lot of stuff happening. This is, I believe they call it Gumsgiving. I think this is Gumsgiving. Is this it? I, I don't wow. know if it's the official one, but how can it not be? I mean, gymnastics, basketball, men's and women's. You've got baseball. You've got softball. All happening. All on campus. Wow. All basically at the same time. Goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Where can the people see those... Twitters from you. Uh, T Canterbury RTR on Twitter, C A N T E R B U R Y. I retweeted all the videos that, that you put out on the on the podcast page uh, as well. So there's a lot of that and then just my personal stuff. So check it out. Follow, give, give, us, give us all a follow. Yeah. Might Add out of the box underscore pie. We got all the GoPros, all the vidges, all the things you need to see. Me, check me, that out. Me shimming down a ladder. Yes. People it's love that video. I, yeah. They love the, the, the add me on the ladder part was a great touch. That's a great little compiled 30, 90 seconds. <laughs> Here's a fat guy going down a ladder <laughs> and missing a home run. 30 seconds later, <laughs> Gray almost dies. Speaking of Gray, at Gray, that's me, underscore Robertson on my Twitter, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson. Thank you to Amanda Scarborough, Madison Shipman, Eric Lopez. Thank you, honestly, to everybody who has ever come on this podcast in the first 100 episodes. So many new friends that we have gotten to know over the years, Tom, and I can't wait to see what the next 100 has in store. Coaches, media members, players, everybody that's been on, uh, we appreciate it, and hopefully we get to do it some more. We got week three coming up. We'll be back again next week for our regularly scheduled length of episode and programming, but... This was a special one for us. Happy 100 to the Out of the Box podcast. Raise your glass on high. What a time. Lava flows for everyone. Yes. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. Thank you so much for tuning in for the past 100 episodes. We hope to see you for the next 100. See you next time on the Out of the Box podcast.